When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Lucky number 13. It's the 13th of July, 2022, and it is time for Morning Combat. Hello, everyone. I am merely one half of your hosting duo. I join you from the capital of Estados Unidos right here in Washington, D.C., joined by, boy, look at that sullen-faced zero to my left. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he's back. He was missing on Monday, but he's back for Wednesday's show. He's my buddy. He's your buddy. He's the world's buddy. He's also yeah. the king of Connecticut. It's Brian Campbell. What's up, dude? Yeah, Luke, I'm back. I'm also back with a bang. And while I certainly, certainly like to extend a high-five to Chuck Mindenhall, you know, let him, guys like him, Abron, they can fill in, Luke. They can do their best to make MK with no BC feel like feel like a house. But it surely didn't feel like a home on Monday, Luke. You know what uh, I mean? Home, sweet home. And I'm talking about Holly, of course. But uh, uh, I'm back, baby. And uh, trust me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm back. All right? Now, I have to say, even though I'm the one who just got over COVID, you sound like you have uh, also contracted <sighs> or contacted, I should say, or whatever the fucking word is. I don't even know anymore. Uh, all of the communicable diseases known to man. Yes. How are you feeling, dude? You sound a little bit off. I, I feel bad. I'm on day 10 of this post-Vegas hangover. I continue to test negative for um, for your thing there, but... Uh, but I do feel like shit, and I certainly look like it, Luke. But I think I'm coming out of the dark right now. You know what I'm saying? Well, glad to have you. Happy that you're here. We do have a lot to get to today, by the way. Because BC is here, we do the BC special. So at the end of the show, we'll do Have You Seen This Shit. I look forward to that. I'm sure he's got a ton of stuff for us. But I got great that, shit. It's one thing I got, Luke. I got so much shit, right? I know, I know you do. Let's see. We have to get to the big fights this weekend. UFC on ABC3 is back this weekend. We'll talk about that. We'll react to Nate Diaz doing a long interview with Ariel Hawani. We'll talk about some of that Jake Paul presser. We'll talk about Yuri Prohachka saying he wants Glover and not Jan next. A lot of stuff to get to. So if you're watching on YouTube, thumbs up on the hit subscribe. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, which we appreciate just the same, leave us a nice review. Now, BC, I heard your conversation with RJ Dunkle Donut just before yeah. the show. Did, wait, did you catch that shot he took at me? I mean, that, that motherfucker, he like... I think he's still sore over that Larry Nasser joke. I think he is, but uh, yeah, because what he going. said was, "I can either make merch that sells or make merch that pleases BC, but not both." With yeah. that in mind, BC, we do have merch that pleases you. Why don't you tell the crowd what it is? 
Yeah, I got. I'm rock hard with emotion over this, Luke. I do have a phoner, indeed. Uh, you know what we do on MK, right? We do great stuff. One of those is pregame preview. You know the catchphrase, and it really applies to our brand in general, Luke. You know what MK is all about? Real talk, like men do. Exactly. Now we got that on a shirt. Finally, go to morningcombat.store right now. The call. Here's where RJ did well, by the way. Okay, the design, yes. But the colors, we got orange. I think there's a pink in there. You know, BC likes different slices of the rainbow, Luke, when it comes to colors, right? You know what I mean? I drive an this orange is, car. I got an orange wall. This is almost the color of your car. It's a little bit duller. Yes. Your car has more of a uh, orange like pop to it, but it's sim- pretty similar. So, uh, you know, there's, there's a good shit color on the screen there, too, probably apropos. But uh, it's our new merch. It's here. You want to walk around and have people look at you and go, oh, shit. That guy's masculine as fuck. You see what he listens to? You see what he's identifying with? You see what he's all about? I'm sure his T-level's plummeting fast, but that guy's pretty cool. That can be yours, by the way, for just probably, a, you know, it's probably overpriced as shit, Luke. But when you win awards on this level, you could do whatever the fuck you want. Luke, side conversation, still about clothes, though. We launched... One of our best pieces of content ever, Room Service Diaries 2.0, Michael Chiesa. You can listen to it, watch it right now on YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. You know I wore the very aggressive, all the smoke, full body sweatsuit with the Bob Marley high tea dad hat. Um, is that more offensive to you that 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 or Ariel's double-breasted suit at the Showtime press conference yesterday. I mean, okay. look, it's, it's so this is a funny question. So this is a funny question. So yesterday, Ariel did the presser for the Paul Rockman Jr. fight, which will be at MSG uh, August 6th. And he had a double-breasted, like, what would you call it? Like a Carolina blue blazer, something like yeah. that, North Carolina blue. And then he had, like, a blue tie with it. I didn't mind it. And I'll also say this, but this is why I have a, a bit of a different take. The staff basically hates... BC's Bob Marley hat that he got in the most dad way possible. And when I first saw it, I hated it. But I got to tell you, I don't mind that either. So I'm in this camp where I swear to God, I don't love or hate either of them, but they don't really offend me. I got to say, though, the staff wants to cut your head off and then throw that hat in the garbage. Both fashion plays are aggressive. You know, they're meant to uh, probably stir up conversations and emotions, but uh don't forget that that Bob Marley hat, Luke, it's very Randy Couture-esque, too. So I think you can sense the manliness coming through there. You know, nice double breasts from, you know, nice moves from Ariel there. I appreciate the effort there. But, uh, hey, do you think Ariel would have the ball bag to sit on our RSD couch like Kiesa did and get grilled, okay? Well, I don't think he would drink the IPAs that Kiesa was drinking or, you know many of the gummies that we all shared <laughs> prior to that occasion. But he might sit down what, with us, yes. Uh, what do you think about Kiesa calling your uh, vape stick a douche flute? Oh, top, top top, comment right there. Yeah, I mean, he called that on Twitter, and I got, I got, you know, remember that Adrian Broner thing that goes around? I was like, I'm getting cooked. Yeah, I mean, I got absolutely destroyed for it. It's a very funny joke. I mean, you know, when you get roasted like that and the joke's that good, all you all you can do is just let the waves of L crash over you. And absolutely, I have been I have been doing that. But it's good to but, have you back. I'm glad to see you. Thank uh, you. And to close, you can get all this merch and more at morningcombat.store. Thank you, and right. Ariel. By the way, if that's if you think that's an invite, it is. Why don't you come on down? Why don't you step to this to this camera, to this to this side of the stage? All right. Are you doing like a new metal lyrics kind of thing? No, no, no. But if, Step but, to uh, this, bro. 
Yeah. Yo, yo, we should, you and I should become um, Armenian as fuck and go to like a System of a Down concert with like Vanis Martirosian. Dude, I'd be into that. What, why would we have to go with Vanis Martirosian? I would rather to really just, just double down on the uh, on the Armenia, Luke. Okay, just really just, you know. I mean, we could get Manuk Akapar as well from uh, the LA Times and ESPN there. You know that guy, yeah, right? Yeah, we certainly could. Uh, Akopian, sorry, Akopian. There we go. Akopian. Yeah, do you know my mother's maiden name? Do you know, have I ever told you that? Oh, please let it be uh, uh, head movement. Head move. Head move. Head movementin, or however it would yes, be. Yes, uh, there no, there you go. There you go. It's Georgian. J i e r j i a n. Oh. That would be. Uh, that was my mother's maiden name. So, very Armenian. All those Armenian names, y a n's or i a n's, is how they all kind of end. Not uh, not in totality, but the vast majority. Yo, I. By the way, Armenians are badass, man. They go after it, and like in terms of their fighter personality, they go after it, Luke. Okay? Yeah, and and, and uh, I've always told you this. You should appreciate it. It's a, like I think it was the first Christian nation. So keep that in All mind right. as well. I'm you not know, Christian. You know you I'm are. a big fan of that as well, Luke. So wow, what a this is what a great time to be back on this show right now. I yeah, feel the is. love. It right certainly now. is. All right. Yeah. Um also want to remind folks, if you want to get Showtime, 30 day free trial, you can get it. Showtime.com. Check it out. If you like it, keep it. If not, you can go, you know, bang your neighbor or something else. Whatever you <laughs> makes you happy. Uh, morning comment. By the way, did you somebody commented on on your video with I think with Jake Paul? Oh, another great interview they can check out. More Jake Paul to come. But uh, I think somebody was like Mike Bone has venereal disease. It's like, come on, can you let that guy's libido, li- you know, take a rest for a day? We don't have to, you know, you know. He called me out to my face. He's like, BC, keep that same energy when you talk shit about me. But you know, I did just. So you and know. you certainly did. Yes. Uh, also, morningcombat at gmail.com for fan subs for dead wrong or just to reach the show for whatever purposes. That's your best opportunity to do it. Also, BC, I want to remind everyone, and I have now been, since I've been home, I've been drinking it every single day, loving it. How about some AG1, Athletic Greens? I'm back on the train, feeling better than I have in a while. BC, I don't know what I was doing not putting this in my body every single day. Yeah, I mean, you weren't putting your health first in in, in, in an easy step. One scoop every morning. That's it. This magical green power power powder. Put it in water. Put it in whatever you want. Look, look, I put it in a seltzer the other day. I wouldn't recommend that. Put it in water. Stir it up. And here's the deal. Doesn't taste medicinal. Tastes tropical. Kind of subtle, but perfect. It tastes clean, Luke. And at the end of the day, I got to start doing anything to cut corners and feel clean. Because the opposite, man, it's the worst, you know? I, I know. It's got vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, probiotics, whole-sourced foods, all the good stuff you need, none of the bad stuff. And for people who are like us, we need all those things as much as we yeah. can get them. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're like, okay, well, what does it do for you, right? How about it supports your gut health, nervous system, um, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, aging. It's it's sort of like how you're going to start your day. You start it fresh, clean, positive, Great things might happen to you, okay? This is what it's all about, the foundation, Luke. I'm AG1, brother. I might even piss green right now, Luke, just to, just to show you that. Well, that would be a different thing that would be going on inside that wretched body of yours. But you can take it on live stream, Dave. I do have my packets. And BC, it's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, while still tasting good. Yeah, it's a small micro habit with big benefits. It's like one of those things you do once a day. It takes great care of yourself. And the cost, less than three bucks a day. So you're investing in your health, and it's a better deal, better better setup than that investment in that cold brew habit you got, Luke. I mean, I can't stress that enough. Taking Athletic Greens is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you'll do every single day to take great care of yourself. 
Yeah, don't just ask me, by the way. Ask leading health experts like Tim Ferriss, Michael Gervais. How about you ask those 7,000 people that put five-star reviews down for Athletic Greens, okay? And right now, you can join that club. You can. Time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. Hello. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements. Look out for your health. And we want to make it even easier for you. So right now, MK viewers, you go to athleticgreens.com slash morning combat. Here's what you get in addition. How about free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D? And how about those five free travel packs? Luke and I use them on the road when we remember them. And when we remember them, we feel great, right? Coincidence. You can too. That's right. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com. Again, excuse me, athleticgreens.com slash morning combat. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash morning combat to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey, BC, define verbatim for me. <laughs> define art, really, is where I'm going to counter that to AG1, <laughs> right? Okay, you know what I mean? Let's All make right. this beautiful. Let's start the show. Glad you're here. Let's kick things off with the big fights this weekend. Man, I got to tell you, I am so excited about UFC Long Island, a.k.a. UFC on ABC3. A lot to get to on this card. Let's start with the main event, and let's start in one different direction. Now, of course, if you've been living under a rock, the main event will be Brian Ortega taking on Yair Rodriguez. This, of course, will be a featherweight contest. BC, Yair told Ariel Helwani this week that with a win, the UFC has told him he's in line for a title shot. Now, we all know that they could change their mind last minute, but you mentioned RSD at the beginning of the show. We actually had Josh Emmett on the show, and he thought he should have been next in line for a title shot with the winner of UFC 276's co-main event. What do you make of the UFC telling Yair he would be slotted in next if he got it? Uh, I say that they love excitement, action, and they love, Luke, that they can see somebody, a potential you know, uh, Mexican background, but such a fan-friendly style, who has really taken leaps and p- seemingly put it all together, which was evidenced by that loss against Max Holloway over five action-packed rounds, which kind of comes out as almost a win because of how Yair showed up that night. Is it unfair to Emmett at this point? You can certainly make that argument, and it's certainly already crowded as it is atop the division right now in the title picture, but it would be hard to argue with Yair short of a win in which he you know, didn't deserve it or look bad. But if he goes out there and beats Brian Ortega, given his reputation, given how I think Yair's record is better than people even realize. I know he's had like ups and downs throughout that initial rise, and it took maybe longer than we thought for him to like fully be in this position to see his game come full bloom and us to find out how great he can be on the title level. But at the same time, he's here. And Luke, if he comes out of here with a win over Ortega, which which is not easy and still looks great on a resume. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Emmett. I love his story. I can certainly make an emotional and and sort of legitimate case for him. But this just adds to the stakes for Saturday of what is already going to be a great fight. You got the ABC element. You got the afternoon element. What is, you know, main events probably going to come on around dinner time on the East Coast. And you've got the opportunity that this fight is without question going to be dramatic for as long as it lasts. Without question. And now we can see the next title challenger come out of here. Yeah. My question to you is, did I unknowingly curse Josh Emmett on, on Room Service Diaries? You ready for this, Luke? Do you remember what I said to him? Do you remember what I said to him at the end of the episode? I said, here's how you're going to know whether you're going to get the next title shot and whether the UFC is on the Josh Emmett train. Now, this is, you know, 
this is the eighth row of Delta BC, you know, stumbling off the plane saying this to Josh Emmett. But I said, if you get those front row seats tomorrow at the fight at UFC 276 and they put that camera on you and it showed, you know, you know, I mean, even Kayla Harrison got that treatment where it looked like she was going to sign the free agent offer before the Amanda loss. Same night. But you get what I'm saying. Um, And then, Luke, did you hear what happened? Not only did he not get that front row seating, he got a ticket like way back. And, you know, him and his manager were, were sort of saying like, what the heck's going on in terms of our treatment? And now we find out they told Yair you're getting the next title shot. It proved true, Luke, and I don't want to be that kind of Nostradamus. I I just I, I feel terrible for Josh Emmett because I do think his argument for the case is better. I know folks are like, oh, Yair's fought better guys. I don't think Yair's wins in totality are better than Josh's. I don't. I really don't. And I don't think you can really make that argument that his five best wins are better than Josh Emmett's five best wins. I know folks have tried to do that. I saw some folks arguing with Aaron Bronstetter. He was shutting him down left and right. It's not like Yair's resume is garbage or something like that. It's very, very good. And it's not like Josh's case is way better. I don't think it's that either. But I do think he is much more deserving. But we keep circling back to this, and I hate it for the fighters. It drives me nuts. I've seen it from generation after generation of all these guys coming through. It is simply a reality. If you have any designs on fighting for a UFC title, yes, you can do it the lunch pail way, and you can eventually make it. I've seen that. John Fitch took a long time to get up there to a fight with GSP, but he got it. He got wrecked in that fight. But, you know, that path, that, that style of doing things, it will work. On the other hand, it's going to be significantly slower to get up there. It's going to be significantly harder to get up there. And if you don't make the most of it in that opportunity, you'll never see that, op- that, that situation again. By contrast... You can be a much less accomplished fighter, but if the fans like you, if you are important for a particular market, in this case, Yair is both certainly, you know, he has American fans, to be very clear, but obviously he'd be important for any kind of burgeoning Mexican market as well. You're you're just going to be favored, and you can like these facts or you can hate these facts, and I hate asking fighters to do the whole rigmarole of, you know, say crazy things to get attention. I don't like it. I don't even like being a part of that machine. But the reality is what the reality is. Yair Rodriguez does have a very good resume. Let's be 100% clear about that. But the real difference about why he's getting it, and I guarantee you the matchmakers would say it, is one, not that Josh Emmett doesn't have an exciting style, but Yair has a crazy exciting style. I think that's pretty fair to, to, to say. Um, and more to the point, the fans like him a lot more, and he's much more important in a very, very burgeoning and relevant yeah, uh, market that's outside a, the U.S. You're going to lose that marketing battle at the end of the day. Just what it is. You, you're not going to win. You're in the, he yeah. can't win. And that's a hard, that's a hard pill to swallow because if you suffered, I mean, go back and listen to what he told us in that room service diaries. I know you remember about all of his injuries with his face and his knees. And I'm, Dude, who knows? Some gave, some gave all on that one. All gave some, Luke, but he, right. he poured it all out a couple times, man. And, and 37. So like he's not a spring chicken by any stretch of the imagination. That's a tough, tough pill to swallow but the but the currents of what drive this business they're not going to be changed by one fighter's journey to do it the right way so to speak it's just it's not reality and so while i do believe that josh emmett is the more rightful deserving guy when i heard that the ufc told yair he was going to get it could not have been less surprised could not have been less surprised at all i'm sure you're not surprised either. No, no. And, and even if you're the UFC, while, while you're leaning heavily on the marketing potential for sure and the style, although obviously Emmett fights in just as tough, you know, not as spectacular, but just as hard nose where he makes great fights. Um, it's also going to be that you're never really sure how long Yair can hold this together. So if you're the UFC and you have a chance 
to give him his chance, you're going to take that because Yair with injuries or, or you know, a couple losses along the way, he always seems to be kind of teetering. But that performance against Max showed us that when he's dialed in on this level, good Lord, this is what he can do. So you understand that. Um, Luke, while this doesn't play into the UFC's decision on who gets next, I do see a lot of negative criticism against Emmett's chances online, even though I tend, like you, end of the day, even if I'm leaning for emotional reasons at times, God, Emmett's earned it. You know, he gave all to get here, like I mentioned. So uh, I'm going to back him getting the next shot, if asked, you know, for whatever that's worth. But fans don't believe, or not all of them believe that he beat Cater. In fact, some people still think, you know, the Burgos fight was close enough to argue. Do you think that factors in a lot to, like, not everybody coming on board and embracing Josh Emmett in his case and his cause up to this point? The Cater fight, certainly, the result is debatable. I, I wouldn't challenge that. The Burgos fight is not challengeable. That's an Emmett win pretty cleanly in my book. I don't know why anyone would go to the mat for that. I don't I don't think that makes a lot of sense Great. Well, at all. close fight, close competitive fight, you know what I mean? Oh, no, no, no. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't like Burgos got completely smashed or something like that, but it's not... The Cater fight, you can definitely look. I thought Cater won that one, to be to be candid, but I understand why Emmett won it as well, and so you know you disagree with the judges, and that's just kind of how it goes. Close fight could have gone either way, something like that. But like you know, this whole argument about like who would do better against Volkanovski, dude. If you think, listen, who the hell knows? None of us can predict the future, and certainly Emmett is a heavy, heavy puncher, and Yair is a dynamic striker. But if you're gonna predict or bet that either of those guys would beat Volkanovsky. I'm like, what is it going to take for some of y'all to realize there probably isn't a featherweight on earth who's going to give Volkanovsky a hard time, right? I mean, Brian Ortega got kind of close with some of those submission attempts or whatever, but, you know, Volkanovsky went right back into them to prove a point. On his best day, there isn't a featherweight on earth who's going to hold a candle to him. It's not really about that at all. It's about, you know, which guy is more deserving. And here's the other part too, BC. Fan, and, and media too. It's not just fans. Media too. There's a lot of times there's a guy who could be well-liked and and very popular, and that will tend to buoy people's perceptions of how well they could do against X or Y challenge, right? Emmett doesn't get the benefit of having a ton of fans buoy his status as somebody capable of doing something great. And it's very, I say this all the time, like, go back to Patty Pimblett. Patty Pimblett's not a bad fighter by any stretch of the imagination, but he is, despite having a lot of experience, I think I still think somewhat green and is developing on a different timeline than a lot of other guys. People are letting the popularity of what he is drive uh, to an extent that where they think the matchmaking should be, which does not match up with where he actually is. It's a clear case of the fan fervor booing yeah, somebody yeah, to fair. a place that he wouldn't necessarily go. I think you're getting a different, Baba similar Bowie. version of that with Yair Rodriguez. Yeah, strong, strong aggressive uh, use of buoy there, but I do think your points match up. Quick devil's advocate sort of fire back at you. I don't want to continue to pave the path of bad luck here for Josh Emmett, but is there a path for Brian Ortega to like right. spectacularly submit Yair where you're just like, oh shit, Ortega leveled back up. Do you run back the rematch of Ortega and Volkanovski because the first fight, even though in the end more one-sided than sometimes the emotions let us let us remember, had spectacular dramatic moments in it? Does, does, See, here's can the, Emmett lose out twice here, Luke? I mean, I, okay. So my thought is, if Ortega win, I mean, either of these guys should really not like should not be fighting for a title. I don't, in my view. But okay, well, you're asking what was likely to happen, independent of whatever the hell I think. I think if Ortega goes in there and ekes out a win, 
for sure they're probably going to make the Emmett fight, right? They'll do Ortega versus Emmett. But if Ortega goes in there and then just blows the doors off of Yair, which I don't see likely, but certainly he is capable of greatness as well. Let's be very clear about that. If he goes in there and just blows the doors of him, like bangs him around on the feet and then submits him with some incredible thing without hardly taking a punch, I think he does. I think he probably does get a title shot. The fans love Brian Ortega too. He is also very talented. He's 31. He should be coming into his physical prime at this point. You know, he's got a lot of reasons why he could be favored over Emmett. Now, again, you might argue, BC, and I'd be curious to get your perspective on this. I tend to think that if Ortega wins, a title shot is possible. But my real thought is if Ortega wins, it's a showdown with Emmett in either case. What do you make okay, of that? Okay, I was, I was going to bring that up because I didn't know if you had said that in error or you meant that. That's interesting. I don't agree with it. So you think if Ortega should beat Yair but not kick your TV screen over to do it, they'll make... Well, so here's the deal, though. Then then that's sort of forcing Volkanovski... Are you saying because of Volkanovski's injury? That's essentially what you're saying then, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is if Ortega doesn't take a big beating, right, where it's he's, you know, relatively unscathed, we know Volkanovski's going to be out for probably three months or more. Yeah, okay. That's what I'm saying. Kind of lines yeah, up a fact, little bit. Factoring in the champ's injury, that does swing it back where that's that is a smart call. And you know what? It would answer like I want to want Josh Emmett to have to go through another freaking test where he potentially has to pour it out. And Luke Ortega makes you pour it out because he he meets you right in the middle of that at deep end of the pool for better or worse. And a lot of times I'm arguing, uh, which I think is part of how you how you're going to handicap this Saturday's main event is or is Ortega too in love with the drama where he can't be in a fight anymore against an elite guy without it getting ugly and him having to sort of find a path to rally back. Like, can he be as as in control of the fight as, as Ortega was against the Korean zombie? Is that more of a product of the difference in speed and footwork? Kind of like some people say, don't get too high on Volkanovski's knockout of, of Chan Sung Jung because look at the difference. And I always said, no, look at the intention. And you saw that, by the way, in the third Max fight. Now, you saw, yes, this is a new Alexander Volkanovsky. Do we need to see a new Brian Ortega, Luke? Do we need to see a guy that goes back to, to trying to control the terms of the fight more? Well, I still somewhat disagree with that analysis, but putting that, putting that to the side... No, why don't you dig into that? Why don't you tell me what's wrong with that, Luke? I do think you saw a different game plan from Volkanovsky, and I do think he is getting faster and quicker with some intention. It's not like there's nothing to it. But to me, the big difference in what explains the Chan Sung Jung fight is just the discrepancy in, a, in ability. Like, that was a much easier fight for Volkanovsky to win than it is to win against anyone else, including Max. So, like, so let me interrupt you right there then and say, okay, if that's true, then does that mean, and this is harsh, but does that mean that Brian Ortega looked that great against Korean Zombie because it's a step down and he can't fight or win fights like that on the elite level, so his only chance in the end is to do something dramatic. Is that so, a harsh but fair take in the end? I, 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 see, I don't know how fair it is. I think it's halfway fair. It is fair to me to say that Korean Zombie, the result that Ortega got, is partly a function of the fact that, yes, he is a step down from Max and, and, and Volkanovsky by a pretty significant degree. So that part, yes, I would agree. However, and this is the part to me that's really kind of interesting, where everyone's kind of focusing on, and we started the show with it, with Yair getting promised a potential title shot, but the reality is this. Listen to this. Ortega fought, let's see, uh, let's, let's go back all the way to the beginning of his UFC run. He fought, 
uh, in the UFC twice in 2014, but only or twice in 2014 total, but once in 2014 in the UFC. Once in 2015, twice in 2016, twice in 2017, twice in 2018. Didn't fight at all in 2019. Fought one time in 2020. Didn't fight at all. Or excuse me. Then fought again one time in 2021. And this will be his first fight in 2022. This guy has not had much experience, which is why I think yes, he was in tough fights in Holloway and, and Volkanovski, but. Showed, I think, flashes of brilliance there. Came back and, sh- and beat the brakes off of Chan Sung Jung. I guess the point I'm trying to make is, in the last four years, he's only had, excuse me, in the last, yeah, four years, he's only had four fights. This will be his fifth fight in four years. That's hardly any activity, age 31. He has talked about changing his methods and doing things more professionally and blah, blah, blah. And you could say, well, he got his ass kicked by Volkanovski despite some of the, you know, the brief moments of peril, which is true. But again, Volkanovski's very, very good. I mean, one of the best fighters on, if not the best fighter on earth. And number two, I'm expecting like a bit of a level up moment here for Brian Ortega. 31 years old, coming into his prime. He has fought the very best that featherweight has to offer. Gave him both a little bit of trouble here and there, for sure. I think you could argue. Against Yair, who is a very difficult, dynamic striker, but certainly open to other kinds of offense from his opponents, given that sort of wide open style that he has. Dude, this, there's a real possibility that you mentioned Ortega needs to level up. More than just need to, it might be inevitable, and it might be in this contest where you see something like that. His maturation was kind of all at once and then slowed down. I think a yes. this version that we might get on Saturday would be a real nice update to everything he's been building oh. kind of quietly. I like the intention of what you're saying that, you know, not, not could he benefit from it, he's going to have to. To, to get this win here, and, and it's probably right, Luke. And yeah, I mean, let's not forget there was a two-year injury gap in there off the first Max fight. But I still think his the way he fought against both Max and Volkanovski, uh, it was a little bit reckless, and he and he and he had to take on huge, you know, damage to kind of activate that that craziness, that fighting spirit in him to to make some you know close moments there, but. It's like, so I still do ask myself, Luke, um, is it defense? Does he, you know, does he have to make major defensive changes on this level to, to, to truly compete on even terms? Or is it just he likes to fight too much? Which one is it? Um, yeah, I definitely feel like there needs to be. Okay, obviously his jujitsu is lights out, right? Lights out. So he doesn't need a lot of help there. But blending it better would be one. Uh, in terms of like the wrestling. His wrestling has been good, but I think there's definitely a lot of improvement that could be made. And the other one is, I think, and you saw this in the Korean zombie fight because he drilled Korean zombie and kind of forced it on him, slowing the fight down a little bit. He likes to mix it up. He's got a, he's got a real like brawling instinct in him, which at and times has it. served him. I love it. It's, it's, it's working against him now, but you yes. have to admit, Luke, it's fun as shit to watch. Oh, like, this guy's a dude, savage, man. Brian Ortega is, is appointment viewing. I mean, for everybody, Brian Ortega is appointment viewing. This fight on Saturday fucking rocks. I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. But I think for Brian Ortega to maximize everything he's built, I think the wrestling needs to be tightened up in terms of the blending, and I really think slowing the fight down in terms of the striking, taking his time with it, really getting behind a jab, he does have a long reach. He can do a lot with that. And then let the creativity flow. Remember, what was the shot that turned the fight with the Korean zombie? It was the spinning back elbow. That was the one yes. that got him. So you got to stick with what you are good at with where your, your heart lies. But it was all the other pieces about the in and out movement and foot placement and where he was going. That's what b- built everything. That's why that performance was as strong as it was, including the fact that Korean zombie is on the level of Holloway or Volkanovsky. But 
Yair might not be either. So this is a very, very, very Ooh. winnable fight if, uh, you know, obviously quite difficult. Luke, it's a, you almost did a dance with who brung you type of uh, comparison there, and I agree with it. So in that regard, if Ortega takes another loss here, given the domestication that's happened to him, him, you know, they bought a house, Luke? Well, we look back almost like Manny Pacquiao, where we're like, damn, gambling, womanizing, Manny Pacquiao used to go after it in fights. Will that be part of the uh, post-fight analysis for you and a potential loss here? I don't think so. I think if the, he does have a loss... To me, it would be, I know he took the two years off after the Max fight, which, by the way, I wasn't, uh, two years was a bit long, I think, but he needed to take, that was a t brutal beating. Like, he needed to take a lot of time. So, so a, a half of that was not such a big deal. I think it would be a, I, I just feel like, listen, some guys get married and it, you know, and they slow down and it kind of wrecks their career or it doesn't maximize things. But for others, it can actually provide a lot of focus. It can provide a lot of direction. It can provide a lot of, um, frankly, utility. I, I tend to think he might benefit. You know, I don't know he's not married or anything, but you know, in, in having a more centered home life and a much more dedicated training protocol. He was on Jimmy Smith's show yesterday on SiriusXM talking about how he would barely hit mitts for striking and yeah. you know working out in his garage and just getting wins. And he thought, well, I can just well, do this and win. And then he got a wake. He said chaos. Luke, he's had waves of chaos in his life, and he's overcome a lot to get here. But maybe you're right. Maybe maybe a a happy at home. It's it's interesting. You know, I didn't think libido would be part of this breakdown that we would do here, but he has a Scott Bayo world record level one. And if he wants to keep that in check now for happiness, that's a good trade-off, Luke. We've all been there. Luke, if you had to take one quality from him, you can have it for the rest of his your life. Are you taking his hair, his libido, or his jujut skills? You know, uh, I've accepted that I've turned into a Dodge Omni, so I'm going to let him have his hair. <laughs> Uh, I, I'll, I'll take his jujutes. It's, it's pretty nice. It's pretty good. He's okay. got great skills. Now, what would you um, do with it? Because I always said, imagine if you could wake up tomorrow, Luke, and you could dunk. Like, what would you? What would you do? Would you pull up to a park in an inner city and try to like try to have your moment? What would you do with the with the, with those skills tomorrow? Would you? Would you? Would you inquire to the ADCC, Luke? Would I inquire to the Abu Dhabi Combat Club? Why would I do that? I, I thought that was where they do those big world famous jujutsu tournaments luke that that people pull out like a sword you know what i mean <laughs> true time abu dhabi champion you know what i mean it's the most prestigious nogi title you can get i don't know you know anyway. so you going that's where you're going nogi bro uh i probably would not go back to training because i think for most people it's actually quite bad for them long term but that's just me all right okay bc then libido would have been the better choice sorry luke just really trying <laughs> to get you know i've kind of punted <laughs> on that too uh, all right, BC, in your co-main event, you've got Michelle Waterson back in action against Amanda Lemos. I'm looking at the rankings right now. This matchup makes a little bit of sense because you've got Waterson sitting at 10, Lemos sitting at 11. So right next to each other, the rankings, Lemos probably would hop into the top 10. Michelle Waterson's been an interesting one because, remember, she was signed by WME years ago, and I think that there was always this expectation on when she... She was always too small for the UFC. She's much more of a natural atom weight, Obviously, fighting at straw weight now, so she's been fighting bigger people for just to get into the UFC. But I think there was an expectation they could turn her into a bigger star, and it never oh, sure. quite panned out. By virtue of the fact, again, I want to be very clear about this: that she is not a natural straw weight. She's a much smaller person. Although now that's not quite so true. That hasn't been true for some time. But certainly started her career out that way. Let's put it that way. 
Uh, no, you, and some of those, and just real quick, some of the times when she has lost against the elites, like Ioana even, you're like, oh, wow, the strength difference between the two, you know what I mean, or the, or the yeah. size difference, I, it's always... You know, I want to be clear, years ago she said, like, actually, yeah, now I'm making it with the cut, now 115 is probably a better fit, blah, 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 but I'll just say this, I think historically her best work has been at 105. Okay, neither here nor there. Is this the last stand for Michelle Waterson as a sort of top 10 main card relevant fighter? I thought the last loss, I mean, look, she's lost three of four, but as we mentioned, all against elite competition. The only win was a split decision against Angela Hill. Uh, so she needs a win badly, Luke, but I thought the chances were over. To see her back in another one here, you say, okay, so what am I going to get from her at age 36? Well, Luke, if the training pictures are any indication, like even you have to say, admit, like she got in alarmingly next level shape for this fight. So if this is her saying, all right, you know, lost three of four, Always good competition. I'm close. I can't get over that hump. I'm not going to go away unless I find out. Um, you know, make sure I'm using everything left in me. I respect that spirit, Luke. And I know people think I get very heavily romanticized into that. People think BC is a casual who can't pick fights. And when he tries to, he loves punchers. And he loves old people making comebacks, right? And, and yeah, Luke, you, I mean, God, Jesus Christ, you do. That is so true. I mean, you know, first of all, you you can't pick what you love, Luke, okay? It just, it picks you. But second of all, fuck off, all right? All right, you know what I'm saying, Luke? But yeah, in this case, it's an old person making a comeback. And Luke, tell me if I'm crazy. You can't win a fight with abs, but, like, she's in sick shape right now. You know, maybe maybe we have to be careful in predicting her doom here. Maybe there's something left here, Luke. Yeah, I think predicting her, I'm not predicting her doom. I'm not suggesting a loss is inevitable. What I am asking is, let's say a loss happens. Now where are we? That would mean her last win would be over Angela Hill, which was a controversial one. I thought Hill won that one as well. I think that's right. Uh, she was a split decision. Now, Amanda Lemos coming into this contest sitting at 11, she is coming with a loss to Jessica Andrade, which, which was the standing arm triangle. But prior to that, she beat Angela Hill, Montserrat Ruiz, Livia Hanato Souza, Mizuki Inoue, Miranda Granger, and it goes on and on and on from there. Not the same level of opponents that Michelle Waterson has faced because Michelle Waterson, in addition to beating Angela Hill, had faced Carla Esparza, Ioana Jacek, and Marina Rodriguez. Now, those are tough-ass fights. But oh, here's yeah. the key, BC. It's one thing to be like, well, I was against the very, very top of the division and I couldn't win. Okay, fair enough. But now you're not. Now you're fighting someone who was outside the top 10. What happens then? If you win, it tells us, hey... There's definitely still some life and some gas left in the tank. But if you lose, it's like, well, now you're losing to a different kind of opponent. Now you're losing to a good, certainly a respectable, but lower level quality of opponent. That would signal something new in my mind. Absolutely, it would. And this and that brings, you know, a, a certain level of interesting theater to this fight. You know, obviously, with Lemos's run coming off a loss, but had a nice run before that. The, uh, she got submitted by Jessica Andrade. But she was looking to be potentially something. I mean, look, you can get a, she can make a leap here with a name like Michelle Waterson on there for sure. But when somebody goes all into the level, I'm sort of, you know, saying that I, it looks like Waterson's doing, you find out one of two things. Look, no, like you leave no doubt if you go out there and get a great performance to say, OK, if I if I really get 100 percent out of myself, man, I still got it. And you'd love to see anybody find that in themselves in any craft or art. But the other one is if you still don't got it, Luke then a loss tells you it is time to go because then there's no more excuses. You, 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 you know what I mean? No stone unturned. You put it all in. So that adds a lot to the stakes here. 
Yet when you look at where they're at in their careers and you apply that to a betting standpoint, right now our friends at Caesar Sportsbook, minus 340 Lemos, plus 270 Watterson. That does seem kind of perfect, Luke. I'm, I'm in on that line. That's about right. Yeah, I think that's right. Dude, it's a winnable fight in either direction. And, and I think you know we had seen, obviously, Jessica Andrade is like Hercules. She's so goddamn strong. Amanda Lemos had showed some decent physicality herself. So Michelle Watterson is going to have to really... You know, this is a this is a bit of a put up or shut up kind of fight situation for her. For Lamos, the expectations are not that high. I mean, she's very good, but what I mean is, again, we go back to the conversation about Yair versus Josh Emmett, and who the fans like. The fans have long kind of favored Michelle Waterson, and you know the promotion itself, obviously too. WME freaking signed her to to represent her, uh, but you would need a win like this to preserve any of that stock, any of that goodwill. Without it, it's not going to be all that valuable long term, right? So. Uh, yeah. There is even a long term at this point, anyway. Uh, Look, BC, if, WME, if WME reached out to you and I and said, we want to collectively represent you guys as well, and then we were like, okay, that's cool, but we, we're kind of got this only pipe style idea here. Do you think that becomes a deal breaker for them? <laughs> <laughs> so, in a world where WME wants to sign us and yeah. BC comes into the meeting like Ben Affleck in Goodwill Hunting is like, keep your ear to the grindstone. Uh, would that impact us? Yeah, I'm going to bet it would. I'm going to bet it okay. would. Uh, okay, all right. BC. We don't need them then. Fuck them. We don't need them. BC, there's a bunch of good fights on this car. We don't have time to get to all of them here right now. Uh, the Leech is going to take on Muslim Salikov. Matt Schnell is back against Sumaderji, which should be a fun one. Your boy, Shane Burgos, dude. taking on Charles Jordan. Sure, Jordan. Dude, that's a good... circled. Dude, that's going to be the fight of the night, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, except for... Except for the main event, which could end up being the fight of the year or our lifetime, for all we know. I mean, let's give those two the respect and know that they can craft up something crazy special coming on. But look, Burgos, Air Jordan, they both obviously can use a big win here to, to stay in the larger conversation. I love the action potential. I look at the line here, Luke, and it's as close as I thought it would be. Plus 145, Jordan, minus 170, Shane Burgos. Whose stock right now is 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 more pointing upwards entering this fight, in your opinion? Um, Jordan, Jordan, yeah, he has really come on. I mean, Burgos. <sighs> uh, this is a tough one because I like Shane Burgos a lot. I think all the fans do. Um, but Jordan has really, I think, turned a corner of late more recently. However, however. Burgos can steal all of that thunder with a big knockout or, you know, the dominant or, you know, good looking win one way or the other on Saturday. And, of course, let's be very clear about this. He will have something of a hometown advantage as well, being a New York uh, Tiger shoulder. Can I ask guy, you a so. quick can I ask you a quick question about Burgos? Please. He had those two losses in a row at the highest freaking level and they were wars. Then he comes back against Billy Q and gets a hard ass fought win. Did he take too much punishment in that for your liking? Yes. Did he still look like he's ready to like have an outside shot at entering the title picture? Uh, wh where do you sort of look at what? I mean, he's only thirty-one, but but dude, he's put it out there, man. Yeah, didn't he have that crazy fight with Kyle Bokniak too? If memory serves, I could be wrong about that, but he's had he he just he has a real in the pocket. Uh, I'm gonna hit you, you're gonna hit me, and then the last guy standing is just gonna be the last guy standing, and he that, that makes it sound like he's got no skills. He's a weird combo. He can actually box his ass off but he's just willing to accommodate damage to have the kind of fight that he wants to fight at times. So it's not like he's not a skilled guy. He's actually, that's the very surprising part. He's actually very skilled, 
But you, we've all seen it, dude. He will absolutely bite down on the mouthpiece and just let it go. And Charles Jordan, I don't think, can win that kind of fight with him. I don't think there's not many guys who can. But I think if Charles Jordan uses a more well-rounded sort of scientific approach, he could get the the, the win there. Lastly, BC, uh, I'll, two more fights on this card that are interesting. Bill Algeo taking on Herbert Burns, I really like. Ricky Simone taking on Jack Shore. Jack Shore, this yes. guy out of Wales, is a fucking hammer. But Ricky Simone on. is also a hammer. Yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're right. But Shore, dude, he's coming on. And now that I've been uh, apparently adopted into the Welsh society, Luke, or at least one uh, YouTube commenter said that, so that's pretty much gospel to me. But uh, yeah, my Welsh brethren here, Luke. Um, I was going to ask you how good you think he is. He's on one of those runs we haven't seen him solved yet. He's beaten that, you know, one at a time that competition level. Where you go, okay, okay. If you're doing that, let's get to the next level. This is now that next level. How good is Jack Shore? He's very, very good. He's very good. Uh, his striking is scientific. He's, I think, a black belt in jujitsu. He's he's got it all. The one thing that has been lacking him is he is so I won't say careful, but he is so thoughtful that I don't think he sometimes has that um, killer. I'm going to finish this guy off kind of instinct. He has a he, he's always thinking through problems. You can tell that the the wheels are turning, and so that makes him not less dangerous in the sense of getting a win, but less dangerous in the sense of you know he's not going to throw crazy hyper or low percentage shit for the fuck of it, right? He's not going to do the Shane Burgos kind of thing. Uh, and so that has reduced his capacity for finishes. But but in terms of his overall skills and how how skilled he is, he is he is a force to be reckoned with. Make no yeah. mistake about it. But Ricky Simone fired has up. Ricky Simone had him and Marab Davalishvili have the two best maybe the two best engines in all of the UFC. Like you're not going up against some fucking scrub and Ricky Simone, not by a long shot. So that is a hell of a fight. And we got to move along. But last but not least. Well, hold on. I know Ricky Simone had some debate over whether he should get rid of the, the fucking, what does he wear, Luke? The, the uh, party in the back. Yeah. I mean, it kind of is who he is. Would you advise him to, to get serious? Or, or, or I've never or... thought mullets, even ironically, were funny or cool. Now, maybe that's because I don't have, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to say that, but. I've I've always found them to be uh, stupid, personally. Now, the, you might be looking at my hair right now and be like, Luke, what, what is it that is about your hair that is so great? And the answer is nothing, of course. I look like I've been hit in the head with a two-by-four this morning several times, but you're just asking me my opinion. I don't. I don't like I don't like mullets. I don't do it for you. Know, you were about to make a dub T comment until you're like, oh shit, I am a you know on screen vaping piece of shit. So, yeah, yeah, that, I, I saw that right. happen there. Real quickly, real last yeah. but not least, Lauren Murphy and Misha Tate. We talked about this in our UFC 276 preview game preview, which should have been edited out but wasn't. But either way, they moved it to this contest because Murphy had COVID. She's long over it. All that's in the past. I got to tell you, this is a you know, Misha Tate's like, I'll get a title shot if she wins, which I believe. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Is oh, she going to yeah, win, though? Is she going to win? I don't know. I don't know. Because, they, dude, dude, they're this is even. I don't even know what the odds are. But in my mind, this is not only an evenly matched fight. I have fears that this, this you know, Twilight uh, Misha Tate, who has proven that she's still got it. She's still got something. I mean, she came back from that kind of layoff. She's in incredible shape. She proved a lot. But she's going to have to prove here that she can make this cut and fight a fighter of this elite status. And Luke, although she's been solid in the comeback, I haven't seen 
any roads to be spectacular, to be that next level. And, you know, certainly to win the title, she's going to have to be next level. But to, to win the fight that gets you into the title fight, she may have to be. And the reason I say that is because you and I both respect Lauren Murphy. Game plan against Shevchenko aside, she's a solid as shit across the board. I mean, she's good everywhere. It's hard to look great against her. This could be a fight, you know, kind of trap matchup for Tate where because it's hard to look great against her, and if Tate is, you know, solid and consistent but not spectacular, you can lose a majority decision that way. So, you know, or split decision, whatever. Yeah, Luke, I think there's there's uh, uh, certainly a lot of stakes in this fight, but a lot of questions as well. It is good matchmaking. You know, it's very, very good matchmaking. And then actually to open the card, uh, Jessica Petty taking on Emily Ducati. Emily Ducati is uh, highly underrated. She had that brilliant knockout in Invicta against, uh, was it Danielle Steele? I forget her name, but... Jessica Penny used to be a huge force, also at 105. If you've never seen Penny versus Waterson from Invicta, you should check that out. That'll open that card. That whole card is a banger. That whole card is a banger. All right. Hey, are you su- are you surprised quickly that Misha Tate is a minus 225 favorite? Does that surprise you at all, or are you good with that? A little high, if you ask me. A little high. Okay. A little high. Uh, all right. Topic number two. We won't have a ton to say about this, but basically the idea is this. Yuri Prohachka uh, was on MMA Hour. He also put out a video about it. Basically saying the next challenger for me is Glover. Uh, I have to keep respect for Glover. So one other option is to offer Glover the rematch, and the second thing is to fight Jan. I have to make a decision in that, but still, yeah, I have to talk with my UFC and my manager. But then he put out a video basically saying he's going to fight Glover next. Jan tweeted, uh, quote, Jan is, the biggest, Jan is for me the biggest challenge. Your words, respect you, champ, but the samurai code was not upheld. Very basic question, BC. Who should Yuri fight next? Well, his reasoning in that video he put out was because he feels he fought bad against Glover. And I think, you know, we were surprised, Luke, that it turned out to be the crazy batshit action fight where it seemed like anybody was one big strike away from winning, you know, for about four straight rounds. I mean, it was awesome. It was throw out the game plan and find out who's more of a man. So from that standpoint of how... You know, he's not known as an overly skilled fighter, but there's obviously a lot of clever craft to what he does to set himself up to do those insanely explosive uh, strike attempts. He's probably right, Luke. He probably can't fight a whole hell of a lot better without giving Glover so many chances. And by the way, Glover also fought his freaking ass off in that fight. Age, you know, mileage notwithstanding. Dude, he fought like a man in that fight. Obviously, when the implosion happened, it was quick, but he had poured it all out and then some. I would love Prohatska's chances in a rematch. If he feels like he needs to do this to prove that, you know, he's certainly legit and that and that he didn't just outlast an old guy, then I support that because I support Glover getting another chance. You know, I mean, do I fear that it could be a, you know, a damaging one? Of course, at this level with their with the way they fight. Yeah, of course. But dude, get Glover one more big payday. That performance last fight might deserve it, Luke. It just might. You know what I'm saying? Because, I gotta you know, say, like, I, don't, I don't really have a strong preference either way, and I don't know why. Any, I mean, like, there's a good case in either direction, and um, I don't see that the argument for one side or the other is all that strong. Jan did rebound, right? So he would be next, but. It's not like he had he went on like a four fight win streak to get back here. That would that would change the equation a little bit. And then Glover, you know, that was his first title defense, so he couldn't make the argument that way, except that it was very competitive and it was one of the most insane fights you're ever gonna see. So that would be like the argument in either direction 
It's like, whatever makes sense for you, that's fine. Whatever makes sense for UFC, that's fine. But it's not, like, what is the argument that clearly puts one over the other? You're right. You're right. Nothing that I can see. That's my issue. No, no, you're right. You're right. That's a good, strong point there. And and that would mean, though, that, right, would you make Blahovich against the winner of Ankalaev and Anthony Smith? Then that's not bad at all. If they do, if they do the Glover rematch? Yes. Yeah. Then uh, Yes. Then yes, I would. Yes. Because that fight is a big fight. Huge fight. Uh so something to think about. Like you mentioned, we're talking about 205 here. Kamara Usman has set his sights on light heavyweight, apparently, after uh, speaking or talking about Leon Edwards. Usman to TMZ, quote, we're going to go in there, we're going to completely focus on Leon Edwards, but after Edwards, we have our sights set on 205, whether it's Jan or whether it's Yiri, whoever it is. That's what we want. I want to prove to the world that there is a reason why they say pound for pound. That means pound for pound at any given time, any given moment, at any given weight, I can go in there and not only hold my own, I can be victorious. I want to be able to prove that. Well, I got to tell you, I love the gusto on Usman. I don't know how wise it is. Uh, although, you know, you mobbles. can see this. Luke, too, huh? mobbles, bro. That bro, he's mobbles, got balls like, the size of hippity hop. Yo, it's just a shame he can't go to 185 because of Izzy. Right. But that would be a much more... I mean, I'm not saying I don't want this movie. See, that's not what I'm saying. But I would prefer it at 185. I do think that's a little bit more interesting for me. Once in a while, I love when bizarre rumors become potentially true. And I know this is not the first time he's talked about this, but every other time he talked about it, Luke, I didn't really believe him. But now when you look at his circumstance, like if he gets, you know, by Edwards in the rematch, man, he's already been there and and done that in this division. Obviously, dude, we're all going fight fight fucking Shemaev. But like he might be in a spot where he may look and go, okay, I've done it. There's a new generation coming on. I'm not going to take a chance of sacrificing myself to you guys if I'm going to sacrifice myself, if I'm going to go all in, I might as well fucking, you know, you're coming on. Dude, he's coming on with this shit. Obviously, to your point, it seems like a dramatic leap because of, you know, friend uh, and, and, and the respect he has for Israel Adesanya as much as, damn, we would love that matchup. Dude, we would freaking love that matchup. But the idea of doing something seemingly this crazy where you're like right away, you're like, man, is that a really, 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 really bad idea? But yet, if he bulks up, if he still feels like he retains the quickness, his striking is getting better, Luke. If he feels like he can dominate wrestling on that level, it's interesting. It's interesting, Luke. I don't know. You know, you still don't love the idea of those of those the strikers, the hammers at that weight class, and they are fucking hammers. Uh, you know, landing on his 170 pound chin. But you know, things like this are only crazy until somebody does them. In some ways, too, Luke. You know, I mean, we this was a sport that started open weight, right? You know, and, and started you having to win four fights in a night. You know, I mean, different circumstances, yes, but no time limits. I mean, you know, that's where we come from in this game, Luke. So when someone wants to go caveman on that shit in an attempt to, like, if it's if this is him, Luke, looking at what he's accomplished and the money he's made and going, okay, outside of selling my soul to Canelo, and I tried, but they don't seem to want it. And I don't think that I don't think anyone should want that, by the way. You know, this is my way to double everything. My name, my money, my hit, my legacy, all that. You you could not criticize that. That is that is that is some barbaric shit that that we all you know, if we were playing a video, if this was UFC four, that's how we would make our fighter act and behave, Luke, right? Yes. Yes, it is. I, I, I hope you felt what I was putting out there, Luke. No, okay, I, I, I hope am. you I was feel thinking that. About, I was thinking about like I hated the whole Canelo push, and I would, you know, 
I just it just drove me nuts. And then there was that one media guy, whoever the fuck, they, dude. The, the UFC is just handing out credentials to anyone these days, apparently. But they, uh, their one guy being like, "Would you be the betting favorite at the presser with uh, Leon?" And even Kamara was like, "What?" Like he laughed. He couldn't believe someone was even asking him that. I am glad to be moving on to this again. I do think it'd be much cooler if he was trying it at 185 because. Not that I don't not that I don't appreciate the gusto to go to 205. That is fucking crazy. It's amazing that he would try that. It's just, you know, how doable is that in all reality? That's 35 pounds above where he normally competes. That is a shit ton of weight. So uh I, I just don't have super high hopes for it. But it's like, you know, what what else can this guy do if the Canelo to your point, if the Canelo door has been closed and he's trying to do something big in the fight game. I don't know what else. I don't know what his other uh, options would be. To be honest, this, short of getting like hurt, short of getting hurt, and that and that's a potential when you take big chances like this. Of course, is this a no lose idea for him, Luke? Can he like you know what I mean? If he goes up there and he gives all and it's just not enough, we're not we're yes. going to be like, damn, that guy had balls. You know, it doesn't hurt his legacy. I wonder if he feels losing to like the unknown. Alien Chemayev, you know what I mean? Would that would would that change his legacy if he lost on the way out of welterweight as opposed to exiting welterweight unbeaten on his own terms? Yes, and I also think let's say he goes up to two hundred five and fights, you know, I don't know somebody who is you know really big for that weight class, a natural two hundred fiver, and then he can't quite get the takedown, and you know he's doing he makes a strong account of himself, but just you know a little bit of a step behind, you'd be like, damn, dude, that guy came up two big ass, and not just two weight classes. Two of the biggest jumps in weight classes, right? So 15 pounds in the first one, then a 20-pound jump in the other one. This is not going like Triple C was going 125, 135, and then I wants 145. That would still, you know, proportionally, that's still a lot, obviously, given that, you know, the natural weight class is 135 or 125, depending on perspective. But it's still only 10-pound jumps. These are 15- and 20-pound jumps, respect. That's a huge, huge jump. And so if you didn't do all that well, you'd be like, well... You know, he tried. We already know he, what he can do at welterweight or something. And you're right. I often say this. Like, the hardest thing to do in MMA is to stand at the top of a weight class and then invite contender after contender. They all find tape on you. They all find ways to, you know, to get whatever kind of weakness. You get older. The contenders get younger. It's like Doug Stanhope talking about the bar. It doesn't matter how old you get. The bar stays 23. <laughs> that's how old the bar. That's 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 the reality, right? Like if you're, it doesn't matter how old you get as the champion. The contenders, they just stay younger and younger and younger and younger, yeah. relatively speaking. So I, that's I actually think we, it's a That's why we idea. like high school girls, Luke, because, you know, we get older, but they stay the same age. Careful. Careful. All right. Come on. It's, you know, it's, it's know. Well, a, fam- a famous man once said that, okay? All right. Very famous. Uh, topic number three. We'll do some quick hitters, BC. Uh, they put in the notes here that Ryan Garcia is going to fight Javier Fortune. Or Fortune, which is actually not yes. his name. It's Javier Fortuna. Uh, BC, I got to tell you, I'm actually halfway interested in this. I know that Fortuna is not considered like the biggest threat to Ryan Garcia. He's a top 10 guy, but that's about it. But dude, it wasn't like against To Go. Garcia looked all that awesome. He, this is the second fight with Goosen getting a new style under his belt. Fortuna, decent southpaw, will throw you know extended combinations along the rope line. I, I like this fight okay. What's wrong with this fight? Yeah, unlike the fight with To Go, meaning we could talk ourselves into a, a, a variable of storylines that could entertain us, right? Like him coming back and blowing To Go away, which didn't happen, right? I mean, it was one-sided, but it was kind of long and, and slow at times in terms of 
coming back with a bang from all the questions he had to answer here. This has one of those things where people kind of groaned when they heard it because you're like, all right, they already tried to make this fight, but they couldn't. And it's like Javier Fortuna has shown these flashes at times in his career of, of, of potentially being very good or great. You know, and he's won world title before, but it's not like he has a lot of losses, but we've, we've kind of seen him be inconsistent. He, he is a southpaw counterpuncher. I mean, he, he can do some bad things to Garcia if Garcia's holes that sometimes he's flashed are, you know, permanent and still there and not going away. And, you know, to Garcia's credit, Luke, it wasn't overly exciting, but he didn't show a, a, a ton of gaping negativity in the fight against Togo. But at the same time, Guy didn't look like he's ironed them all out either. He's still kind of an unknown. So in that regard, it may be a fight that you groaned at at first because it's not Tank Davis or, you know, Devin Haney, but it still could be theater. We're still going to learn a lot. And Ryan Garcia still has a lot of questions to answer inside the ring to before, I think, the idea of him against Tank Davis, which is going to be really hard to make. Separate promotions, separate networks, and you know, early indications are that not everybody is all interested in, in, in getting along and, and doing something like that right now. Um, he's going to have to, you know silence the, the 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 skeptics first and and it could happen in one night potentially but it's probably going to be more of a of a you know chapter by chapter circumstance so this could be in a compelling chapter luke in his in his comeback here and in, in his which is still part of his initial rise i just feel like it could be a decent action fight garcia fought to go i'm not going to say recklessly but he clearly didn't have a lot of respect for what to go could offer i mean to go was handpicked you know so uh, Fortuna, Fortuna is, uh, you know, as I mentioned, top 10 guy, um, should be beatable, but should be an action fight. And dude, you know, Ryan Garcia had the, what the hand injury, he had the depression, he collapsed at training with Eddie Reynoso and sw everything. He switched up a lot of stuff. He's kind of rebuilding a little bit to like a new identity. This to me seems like an appropriate next step. So between that yeah. and the fight being probably an action fight. I don't, I don't, I don't love it or something like that, but I definitely don't hate it at all. Uh, and dude, one thing to like note: it. Fortuna can be. I don't know what the right way to say it is because when you look at his record, you're like, oh crap, you know, like he's. I mean, he's solid, man, but he can be like kind of flaky sometimes in his performances. Mm. But there's a he has that gene to go after it. I mean, you know what I mean? He's if he sees an opening, he's going to go after it. So I think you're right. I think it's going to be fun and dramatic, even if Ragai might have to surf the waves. Uh, for a while and, and tiptoe before landing the boom. Luke, I do feel like, you know, I don't want to say bad things about another man's tattoos. That's why, you know, Mr. Hebas deserves the respect, Luke. Mm -hmm. I really don't love what Ragai's done with his tats. And I know there was that headline on TMZ where he said, like, he's got a complex over how much fans hate his tattoos. But they might be right, Luke. I kind of expect more for how cool he is for what he actually has. Are they fixable? Can, can, we, can we make some adjustments he got he got a bunch of new ones, and I haven't seen them. I will say this. You know who's actually got really good new tattoos? Like, really good. Uh, Jake Paul. I hate to admit it, but really? his tattoos are fucking... Like, the new ones. The new ones are I haven't seen them. I awesome. can't comment. Yeah, they're very good. I saw that. I mean, we are, we talked about the one where he had, like, the, the gold... Oh, sorry, the, uh, like the, the wreath around his neck. Like, he had a fucking Christmas wreath on his head or some shit <laughs> for... Uh, for Ryan Garcia, I don't love those, but I, I know he got some other ones, and I've not seen them. It just blows my mind. It's like these guys have all the money in the world. You can go to the very best artists that money can buy, and then they go to some donk who you know 
you know, it's like Lazy Dragon Tattoo in the middle of fucking so, Culver City, California. Like, why the fuck are you going there? Well, the whole point of me bringing up this seemingly ridiculous side note was that, you know, I, I want to advertise you to the world. I would love nothing more than to find out that Team Garcia reached out to you privately and were like, Luke, we heard what BC said and he's right. We would like to take you on staff as sort of our, our you know, tattoo Q&A, you know, advisor in that way. And in, in, in theory, that's great. You'd get a big time job. We wouldn't have to go public with it. But, you know, you can help save a guy here from turning the wrong corner. But I know in the end you wouldn't stop, though, with just repairing the chest tats. You'd go full ass tat on him. You would get in his ear and cover yes, that man's ass. And, Luke, yes, if I, I found out that happened, I'm betting against him Every single fight in that he's not going to get to the tank fight, okay, Luke. So don't do that. Don't hey, do that, Mister Astats himself, Andy Ruiz. Did you see what kind of good shape my man is in? Those Astats. Yeah, I saw his glutes. I uh, yeah, I couldn't quite see his anus, but yeah, thanks for that piece of content, Andy. Thank you. All right. All right. Speaking of Jake Paul, whose new tattoos are excellent, he had a press conference yesterday in New York City for his upcoming bout with. Hasim Rahman Jr. BC, I had a quick conversation with Paul. Nothing too serious. About twelve minutes in length. No, it was it's good. The, it was, dude. I okay. sell that shit. It was good. You you asked the right questions. I thought. You I know? thought you he didn't kiss I, his ass. I did not think he he did not hate me or anything. He was very friendly before and then after the interview was live. Don't get me wrong. It was it was it was it was professional. It was normal. But I got the feeling he wasn't going to give me a ton, so I didn't want to like ask for a lot. But. Either way, what is your impression of what happened at yesterday's press conference? I have to tell you, like, this Rockman Jr. kid, he's all right by me. Dude, I thought he performed well in that, for again, for whatever that's worth. But in this case, because of the unknowns as to really where each fighter is in their career and how good they actually are, I feel like we can really look at that press conference, which was theater, by the way. Shout out to Ariel hosting it. Um, and I wonder if we're on the same page here. I came out of there... Way more excited about this fight than I feel like a fight with Tommy Fury ever would have actually gotten me, where I don't really know what's going to happen, but if you really made me pick. Dude, I here's what I think about Hasim Rahman Jr. I think everything his dad bluntly said about him right to America right? is actually right. <laughs> when you watch his implosion in his lone career defeat against Tommy Morrison's son, you know, it wasn't that spectacular of a performance leading up, but it was, you know, where he was having success. I think, Luke, like we've seen for a lot of fighter, second-generation fighters, you know, maybe he hasn't given to this sport. He's talking about, I haven't been at this weight. You know, one of the big worries is, okay, but this heavyweight's got to cut down to 200. And this heavyweight fought at 224 last fight. And I had that worry, too. You know, fought as high as 269. And there's the, this rehydration rule, you know, with the New York State Commission here to make sure everyone's safe. But, Luke, it really looks like here's a kid who... You know, it's hard to follow in when your name is literally junior of, of a former heavyweight champion. I don't think he's ever really bitten down to try to find out how good he can be. And for his dad to say that publicly means, you know, there really was or, and, or is an issue. If he ends up having not only no issue making the weight because maybe this is the first time he's really going after it because he has to now. We may get the best ver version of him possible. And, you know, them going back and forth about that sparring session it, it does depend on who you believe based on the trash talking. Yeah, just like Paulie versus Conor McGregor. I'd love to see the video. Somebody out there's got the video. Put it out. Let us judge for ourselves here. But I wonder if this is like um, not unlike Buster Douglas against Mike Tyson. Different scenario altogether. But t Douglas, because of that 42-1 and book, you know, somewhere odd some, in, in one sports book, it was deemed as if this bust, you know, 
James Buster Douglas was never anything, and he walked in off the streets like Rocky Balboa and took on the champ. And oh my God, he beat him. No, James, like Buster Douglas's dad was a was an aggressive, solid pro boxer, and Buster Douglas was always this underachieving guy who had seemingly everything—the frame, the pedigree, all that—just didn't have the work ethic or the want. Until he had to one night, you know, his mom died the you know weeks before the Tyson opportunity. He finally had something to fight for. And he put it together and showed what actually is under the tank. That this could be a trap for Jake Paul if this is what ends up happening. If you activate this guy, a six foot three southpaw, that's what makes this fight way more compelling than what the Fury family could have brought to it from a marketing side. Because Jake Paul may have to really make the leap August 6th that 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 we are going to need him to do before we're going to believe that he can fight, you know, real boxers and not just crossover entertainers. He may have to end up proving everything in this fight. And not only will that be exciting and fun to watch, I don't know if he's coming out of this, Luke, and, and I don't think we've really felt that yet on this Jake Paul journey. Yeah, I mean, if if you just took away the identities of everyone and just gave them letters, ABC or XYZ, and you looked at X Fighter and it was Jake Paul and all of he's accomplished and what his opponents had looked like in boxing what their records were. And then you looked at Rockman, and so he would be Y-Fighter. You didn't know the identities. Who would you pick in this contest? You would pick Rockman 10 times out of 10. You would never yeah. pick Jake Paul. You'd pick the guy with 100 amateur bouts, with a guy who's fought at heavyweight, the guy who's 12-1. and one. You know, his record's hardly perfect, but it's, it's miles better than Jake Paul. Now, in the end, there are a ton of factors here. How ready is Rockman Jr.? And, you know, what kind of shape is he in? Is he going to be able to make the weight and blah, blah, blah? There's a lot of things that are working against him here. But the reality is, dude, this is by a country mile much more interesting than the Tommy Fury fight as a real boxing question to be answered here. And I got to tell you, I don't, I, I, listen, if Jake Paul. I, honestly, I will be surprised if Jake Paul wins this fight. I'm d dead serious. I will be very... Now, if there are total disasters with the weight, well, then I don't know. Is anybody's ballgame well, at that point? Yeah. I mean, look, Jake... Well, here's the deal. Jake's pretty damn good for a celebrity fighter, right? We've always given him that credit. I mean, he takes it so seriously. Yes. But he's... You know, the ambition is to in inevitably fight an absolute real fighter, even if it's some cash-in opportunity against Canelo, which we would all say, please don't do that. But you get my point. Like... It is building toward the idea where he knows he's going to have to prove it. Dude, there's so much critical opportunity in here for Jake Paul to prove that. So I think it is right for you and I to both go, damn, if you know, if again, if the weight thing is not a problem, like what if the weight thing is not only not a problem, but actually gets Rockman into the best shape of his career? Like that's also in play as well. You know, who Dude, knows? Just think about this. this. He's never fought anyone who's an athlete. Like I know he made his pro debut against another, I think, YouTuber or whoever. He, he made his pro debut against that guy, and I'm sure he was in shape or whatever, but he's never fought an athlete who was in, at least from an age range, his physical prime. <laughs> like, never. He's never done that. This yeah. is the first one. And, by the way, he's got significantly more boxing experience. Again, if you didn't know the names, if they, were just, they showed you X fighter has this and Y fighter has this, you would never pick Jake Paul to win. So, for me, I got to tell you, I find this one... Way more interesting. Yeah. Way more interesting than the, to the Tommy it, Fury fight was like, for me, like whatever. This one is not whatever at all. And if you're wondering from like an inside boxing perspective, like before Rockman's name was thrown around for this Paul fight, like what did people think of him? Not all that much, to be fair. So, yeah, you know, he good. also has sort of that burden on him, Luke, of like, I do have to kind of live up to the family name. 
maybe this is the opportunity that I needed to sort of kick my ass into it. That's dude, that that could be very real in this. Could be very, very real. Well, here's the thing. So, he could also beat Jake Paul, and you wouldn't even necessarily believe he's gonna go back to his boxing career and then beat very good guys. It's not even right. about that. Again, if you look at who Rockman has faced, now he probably has faced guys of a similar level of Jake Paul. Uh, what was the guy's name who the other legends kid who he lost to recently? Uh, the Mackenzie Morrison, I think, or Kenzie yeah, Morrison. That's it. Yep. You know, dude, Kenzie Morrison is significantly better than Jake Paul as a boxer. And of course, you know, Rockman Jr. lost, but I'm saying who on his record on Rockman's record is as good as Jake Paul. Rockman Jr. already beat him. Like, yeah. the, you know what I mean? Like this is a very, very, I think this is a way, assuming that the weight is not a disaster, which by the way, it could be. Assuming that the weight is not a disaster, this is an uphill climb for Jake Paul. That that's sort of it, my view. On the whole it thing. obviously depends on you know not just you know the scenario in which we activate Rockman and say okay now go be as great as you can be and maybe in the past he wasn't trying that hard. There is also this potential. Like so the 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 alert here is that he's not fighting a guy like Tyron Woodley who was you know fought professionally at 170 pounds and then fights Jake in the 190s. You know he's fighting a guy that is bigger, taller than him, naturally stronger than him. Um, but in that, Luke, what if Rockman just isn't all that great of a fighter at the end of the day? Could Jake potentially have a hand speed advantage? And here's where you're heavily leaning on the parts that Jake actually seems to do well, at least on the level before, under this sort of imagining eye test of like, well, those skills translate on this level now. If we get an underwhelming Rockman, uh, uh, you know, Jake may have to go through some stuff, but he can also... This is this is potentially a fight he can win and outbox, and you know that could say a lot critically about Jake as well. I think Even if here's you know, one thing: one thing in Jake's, well, two things in Jake's favor. One, he doesn't have nearly the damage in the miles. Number one, not that Rockman has a ton, but you know, Jake has hardly any, and Jake has fire underneath him. Like he has, like Rockman Jr. His dad is trying to jolt his career back to life or something. You know, saying the things that he was saying. Jake doesn't have that problem. Jake wakes up intensely motivated for this. And, you know, this is a huge challenge he's accepting. Here's the thing I just go back to, BC. We were there for the second Woodley fight. Now, I'll give Paul his flowers. That knockout of Woodley is is spectacular. I mean, it, it is what it is. That was incredible. And it wasn't just a big punch. He set it up by faking low and then came over the top. Woodley transferred defense, and he hit him clean, and he put his lights out. Like, that was a tremendous shot. But just prior to that, dude, that fight was not good. It was not good in both directions. Jake Paul did not look good up until that tremendous, tremendous knockout. And that was a flat-footed, very post-prime Tyron Woodley. If Rockman Jr. is at all in decent shape and is at all taking it seriously, tough fight, bro. This is a tough fight. No, but, but, you know, there is, I guess, enough questions about Rockman to, like, the, the perfect scenario, I said, I say it again, the perfect scenario for Jake is that he goes in there, it's a really hard fight, he gets dropped, but he gets up, and then he, you know, finishes the guy, gets up and shows that what you're saying, he wants right. it more, and he gets the knockout, it's like a Rocky movie, I mean, that's the perfect, that's also potentially in play with this level of matchmaking, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm into it, I'm pretty fired up, Luke, I, I'm not gonna lie, at the end of the day, uh, they pulled me back in, and there's gonna be some questions needing answer, because I think we can both agree, Jake was out of options. He kind of had to do this. So right. now you have to ask yourself is they sparred. You got to realize they sparred, though, very early in Jake's run, right before that first fight against the YouTuber. And I think the one right after that. So this was very early Jake Paul, who was, I mean, look, the guy he fought and Easton Gibb, Luke, 
physically, that's a, you know, that's a mismatch there. You can't even almost count that. So at that point, did Jake do things, have certain rules in the sparring that Rockman keeps bringing up that was meant to protect him? Yeah, I mean, at that point, he didn't even know what he had or what, you know, what Anise and Gibb was going to be him, you know, bring to him. So maybe there is a potential for Jake to have made such a leap from what Rockman remembers where that sparring not only means nothing to this fight, but it could give Rockman false confidence. Do you think that's, there's a potential in that at all, given yes. how long ago it was? Yes, here's the thing. I know Jake Paul's going to take this seriously. Like Whatever you want to say about his ability and this whole YouTube boxing thing, fine. But I do think he's going to take it seriously. I do think he's training hard, and I do think he's going to be in shape. We don't know about that but we're not with Rockman Jr. We, like, we don't have any clue what we're going to get with him in terms of what is your desire to win? What is your level of motivation? What is your level of training? What is your level of fire that burns underneath you? I guess what I'm saying is if he is at all prepared... If he's at all prepared, it's a tough night for Jake. On the other hand, if he's just going to phone it in like he has been doing, yeah, then Jake probably can get the better of him uh, because you know because I think you know skills win fights, but Jake is significantly better than he was, and he again, I don't have any questions about Jake's desire, zero, none. But he is green. He is crazy, crazy, crazy green. And Rockman Jr. hasn't set the world on fire. But in terms of boxing, he's done a shitload more. That should matter on some level if he has trained properly. But I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. Um, BC, speaking of Ariel Helwani, he spoke to Nate Diaz, who had a long interview where he didn't say anything a whole lot new, but that he's looking for a release from the UFC and that they're holding him hostage. What did you make of Diaz's comments? Yeah, I mean, it sort of hammered home the the sort of ideas we had of, you know, why is UFC really freezing him out? I still don't know if we really know whether it's A, because they know he's going to go fight Jake Paul and, and kind of be a competitor to what UFC's trying to do in that same pay-per-view combat sports market, or if it's because they're waiting for Connor. You know, it seems like Connor's comeback here, like, there's times that we're all about talking about it, right? Could make Phil's headlines easy to match, making fun. But like, is he close? I don't feel like we even really know exactly where he's at and when. It can be both of those, but is it one? Which one is it? After hearing after hearing Nate break down in detail, painstaking, slow detail, Luke, but in detail about where he's at and who they actually offered him and the times he feels like they've kind of taken a step back in the negotiation and just let let time kind of burn him. I don't know. To me, it's just, you know, his whole situation is just underscores how uh, imbalanced, I would say, that the world of MMA is relative to boxing. Boxing, of course, has its tremendous problems, to be clear. But a, a fighter like this should not be having these kinds of interviews at this stage of his career. It should not be this painful for him to get a fight. And, you know, I listen, I'm sure Nate Diaz is on his own account. The UFC would probably tell us, oh, you have no idea how hard he is to deal with. And there might be some truth to that as well. Who the hell knows? I don't. But what I guess what I would say is we should not be in a situation like this. This should be resolvable. This should be moving along. The UFC is doing well enough where they, you know, Nate Diaz is certainly a huge name, but they don't need him for continued success and handicapping him this way so that he can't get a Jake Paul fight on time or whatever they're trying to do. It just seems gratuitous and unnecessary. And I, I mean, really but he called they can their, figure this out. He called their bluff on... According to him, he called their bluff on the Chemayev offer, and then he, according to him, Chemayev suddenly didn't want it. So yeah, but who's? I mean, he says things like "I beat Kebab." You know what I mean? Like, well, that's the thing. So I was <laughs> going to ask you. Know. 
I feel like whenever Nate says something specific about a, you know, a potential where UFC could have wronged him, because we all love Nate, and we're all like, how the hell could you take three years off after your pay-per-view brand, you know, reached its apex with the two Connor fights? And, you know, and now you're going through this where you're just wasting away, not your fault, seemingly, in the moment. But then, like, ten seconds later, Luke, he'll be like, yeah, Ariel, um... Uh, you know, where was Masvidal? He was about to retire before I came across him, and then I made yeah, him a superstar. True. It's like, yeah, kind of not not true in that timeline, really. It was after the, you know, yeah, no. So he does that a lot, Luke, where you're like, okay, why? maybe I have to apply the same, um, you know, grain of salt when he's talking about negotiations, too. Maybe, maybe, Luke. Still, it's, at this point, like, guys on Twitter begging for a fight. Let's see if we can get him one. I really hope we can. Uh, all right. Oh, he deserves I it. I mean, what the what the f, Luke? Get the, I mean, come on. Can't, it can't be that hard. It just can't be. I'm sure that Diaz is hard to deal with. I'm sure that he is. But it can't be the case that they can't get him a fight. That, I just don't believe that at all. So, in the end, that's what it kind of comes down to for me. Uh, BC very quickly. GSP says there would be three fighters he would face at any kind of return. Which, by the way, I want to clarify. Uh, but unfortunately for me and the fans and everybody, it's not going to happen because I'm done and I don't miss it at all. So I don't have a whole lot to say about this. But the fighters he he says he would name in a re, in a return would be Habib, Usman, and Chimaev. What do you make of that? Anything interesting to you? Not really. I mean, it, it does sort of support his uh, ideology and how he looks at it, Luke. I mean, that's the reason why he's been so selective on what actually coming back. You know, I know there's some wrangling with the UFC, of course, and it took... It took Nick Khan, right, to be like the the you know third man in the room to get UFC to explain uh, to the audience who Nick Khan is. Uh, now the president of WWE, but you know became a super agent on the level that like we almost hadn't seen in this game. You know, from representing broadcasters to to high companies like WWE or or you know anyone bringing him on to negotiate their deals. Which so he was a part of so many monster things that happened across pro wrestling, all of combat sports, then, you know, he was a key factor in launching the top rank on ESPN cable deal, which became a, you know, huge move. And so all that, um, he was the reason it seems that we ever got GSP to sit down with UFC brass and get through whatever issues just to get him back against Bizping. So the whole point here is Luke, the best thing I'll always ever say about George is he, he loves the idea of fighting for a legacy so well, so much. You know what I mean? Not not about the the celebrity and money as much as he's about what have I accomplished and how you know how can I pick on that 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 bonsai tree and make it look perfect? Is he never would come back unless it was for something that can elevate his career? So, in that regard, yes, these three opponents do sort of fit that model to some degree. Although the Chimaev one is interesting to hear him even say that, but him against Habib right now, as unlikely as it is. It's one of those rare sort of like break glass super fights that really the intention of fights like that is to bring in the ridiculous casual audience and make an event, right? Sometimes the fan in us like respects what an event could do for the sport, pay-per-view wise and all, you know, attention, but we're not all like, yeah, but who fucking wants to see that? This is the rare fight in that where it's like I'd get giddy like a schoolgirl for GSP versus Habib, given all the legacy involved and all that. Unbeaten record against, you know, all that, G- GSP going for the third title. I mean, I know that Habib's not even the champion anymore, so the, the, those those stakes and terms <laughs> wouldn't even, you know, be applied. But are you as fucking A as I am on us, our sport, unfortunately, having missed the potential for that? That could have been something so special, Luke. 
I don't know. GSP retired, what, five years ago? Why the fuck are we still doing this? Get That's romantic for once, you old piece of... I mean, just get... You know what I mean? Like, dude, I wine and dine every, me. Take me thing, to the gun I range. I covered his career, dude. I was there for virtually every single one of his fights. Not in person, but like, you know, certainly observing it in real time. I got, I got the GSP experience. Like, I got it. I got to see it from nearly beginning to end. I don't, I, I got, I'm fulfilled. You know what I mean? Okay, but I think that a lot of part people of- missed it and have this nostalgia for it, which was fine. He had a tremendous career, but, you know, he's, he doesn't want to fucking come back. Why are we doing this? But, Luquito, the part of you, that unreachable hey, that's part. That's reserved for my Colombian in law, <laughs> which you are not That one. part of you that only comes out once in a, you know, blue moon. No, I'm not talking about. To Margarita Luke, I'm talking about Yay Pwawi Way. That guy, that guy that just the moment, the moment made you rock hard with emotion. I'm a real fight fan. At the end of the day, you can say whatever else you want about me. I'm a real fight fan. But at the same time, dude, like, you know, can we stop crashing into the cemetery here? The guy, he's he's moved on. He's moved on. Let's move on, Luke. All right. Let's move on. BC, this one will get you a phoner if you haven't already got one. Uh, My level of interest is close to zero, but yours is probably high. PVZ gets a uh, BKFC opponent uh, facing Charissa, Carissa Sagala, yes. uh, who's fought four times for the promotion. She's 38, uh, was in a fight of the year contender against Taylor Starling at Knuckle Luke, that fight was that fight was insane. Like, it, almost too much. That fight was almost, it was like, there's just, you know what I mean? Like, this, this sport can go too far, Luke. That fight was insane. But she's one one and one in BKFC. Your reaction? It seems like a potential get well, although it also could be a trap fight like the other ones have been. So in that case, Luke, as much as I'm not here to like endorse the nutritional value of the gas station hot dog, I mean, look at my liver. It's the color of this shirt, right? But Luke, um, yeah, I'll watch and it's probably the right move here, all, all things considered. Okay. I mean, PVC can box in the BKFC on this level. But I don't know if she has the those other parts that you need to be good at this sport, Luke. You know what I mean? Because it's different. It's different. Yeah, but I'm a question for you because I've not really kept up with her career. Except, I mean, I guess she fought um, Rachel Ostovich and lost, and there were some other ones there as well. If you can't beat this opponent, and, and again, she's one one and one. She's not like zero oh, and three or something. But if you can't beat this opponent, what what would BKFC do with her? Maybe this is her playing out what 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 you know the fights the the things she owes in the contract maybe because we know Luke that she's having success. I don't know is she a full time AEW wrestler even I don't know that I'm not watching any wrestling know. anymore. Luke, <coughs> wow, wow, got, you got got that uh, got that Ebola. <coughs> wow, wow, this is a. This, yeah, okay. We don't need to have you seen this shit. We're having faces of death right right now in front of you. Uh, Luke, whatever. Nobody can. Let's go to the next step. Come on. All right, what last we, what thing, uh, for, want to remind everyone, we are a nominee for the best sports podcast and best male-hosted podcast category in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. Of course, we appreciate all you guys and everything you do for us, and we hope you enjoy the show enough to uh, advance this nomination to the final round. To nominate Morning Combat, go to Podcast Awards. Have we already nominated? But okay. To vote for Morning Combat, I There's guess. There's levels. To... There's levels. They nominate a large group, then they throw it to the fans, and then I think the fans end up picking the finalists, Luke, and then okay. I don't know who picks the finalists at that point. All right, but to get Morning Combat to the next level, go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. 
and then toggle down to the sports category. The whole process takes less than just 60 seconds. We've included a link at the top of the uh, episode description here in the uh, YouTube box there as well. That's I want to say one more thing related to this. Or you can scan because, the QR code on the screen. There you go. Because look, vote or don't vote, like, you know, I'm not like Puff Daddy telling you vote or die here. Like, whatever. I, we appreciate it. It gets us things like you like. These live shows, we'd love to do one in New York, you know? We'd love to win more awards to sort of push that vehicle forward. Luke, I'm actually not against two Margarita Luquito, but not having the right sound where everybody's involved, the crowd can hear us, we can hear each other, I couldn't wrangle that beast. But if you guarantee me working sound system, I, I, I'll I'll pour water on you after midnight or whatever it is to turn your your gizmo ass into a uh, a spike-haired raging gremlin, Luke. I'll dance with the devil here if it's necessary, okay? Okay. At That's a live show? You don't have to retire just for me, Luke, okay? And anything for you, BC. All right, it's time All for right, BC's feces. Un- uh, wow, that's a harsh no-sell there, Luke. Are you, are you, all right, let's get out of here. Uh, here we do. We do this on Monday, but today's Wednesday, but we're back at it. We uh, scour the globe over a long weekend for the highest. I'm excited the for the, these. Good, the bad, the ugly, beyond, combat sports, all that bullshit. Here it is. It's called Have You Seen This Shit? Oh, God. Oh, God. All right, Luke. Uh, here we go. I still haven't even watched the UFC card. So, uh, you know, this may be more people falling and dying than people falling and dying in the cage. But I do have one highlight from UFC Fight Night in Las Vegas, Luke. Did you see Chase Sherman getting into that heavyweight war with Jared Vandera, Luke? I did. Showing, showing that killer instinct, would you say, right, Luke? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he took a he took some heavy shots on the way to doing this. So let's be clear about that. But he got the job done. Good for him. I mean, he's an exciting guy. Well, speaking of that killer instinct, did you see the photo he posted uh, later that night? Yeah, kind of gross. On the old, to be honest with you, on the old IG with OJ Simpson and Luke, the yeah. caption said, "Killers." Is this cool, cringe, or like get this the fuck off my timeline? Yeah, not not wasn't my favorite to be honest with you. Uh, you know, here's the thing. I mean, I don't know how old Chase Sherman is, but I was I think in ninth or tenth grade. So I was in high school when the OJ verdict came down, and I remember like the word spreading around that he was not guilty, and it was like this. Big, oh, dude, like, we watched it in class live on the TV in in yeah. accounting class. Yeah, dude, it was a big deal. And like, if you go back and just sort of re- like the the trauma that was done to the Goldman family as a consequence of, you know, I know he was exonerated, but you know, we all kind of. But dude, we celebrated. Did this happen for you guys? The entire room broke out in celebration because you're 17 and you feel like you have some quasi anarchy spirit inside you. You're like, yeah, he got off. Yeah, no, like he's that, the fucking. That, uh, it was much more like he's the leader of the NWO now or something. Like, no. but looking back, it was, it's like, oh my god, what are yeah, we doing? No, it's a horrible. It's a horrible thing that happened to that family, and you know, shit like this <laughs> where OJ just gets to walk around free. You know, is kind of a indictment on our society and uh, and the justice system. So I I didn't love it. Didn't love it. Yeah, OJ is the worst. But you know, there's probably other people in this category that I would easily taken that picture with, and I probably will, Luke. Uh, probably so. Probably so. All right. You are Let's... also a gross. Yes. Gross man. Oh, uh, Luke, we had mentioned the whole phoner joke, and maybe I swung and missed trying to get Josh Emmett, you know, to say, look, the idea of fighting Max. Let's right? talk Does about it... our dicks having Let's erections. Talk... But, Luke, we keep hearing fighters talking about this. Even Jake Paul, who was on the MMA Hour with Ariel. Let's have a listen. I get a fucking hard on in the ring every time I get to spar. 
Look, this is becoming a thing, bro. I mean, fucking fighting, it's all the same, right? You know? Yeah, and there you go. We're talking about OJ in one breath and then War Machine in the next. Uh, I don't know. You know, I've done a, a decent amount of combat sports training. Never had a, never had a boner. <laughs> that wasn't a thing. Uh, we had a uh, we had wrestling in sixth grade gym, Luke, at City Hill Middle School, and I did. This is my only experience in this. Me, I forgot the other kid's name, Dave Ferreira. That's it. We rolled around and in the Mr. Coach Harrison blew the whistle and was like, "Stop trying to have sex with each other. Get up!" And next guy's in, and I never did another another second of that. I I think I like you know forgot my clothes the next class. Like, dude, I'm I'm done with this amateur wrestling bullshit. Now, Luke, I know amateur wrestling is manly and and there's a lot of great that comes with it. Um, not the that mansion owner that not that guy. Remember the fox catcher? That guy was the worst. But you know, um, I had a bad experience. I had a bad experience, yeah. So if I have to be, you know, Brian Dupont, I'm sorry, Luke. I'm sorry. Okay, let's keep it going. Um, Luke, how about we mix our two two of our favorite worlds, the UFC and basketball? Did you see footage that broke out of this UFC cash game that the Schmo got invited to? But watch Bilal Muhammad. Remember the name. Watch his post-defense on DC. Get that shit out of here, DC. Well, you'd never know that DC is a world-class athlete, you know? <laughs> Um, there's further highlights out there of Jamal Hill, who apparently has like legit game, Luke, just raining down threes and that. So yeah, but he he's seems- like a he's like a trim two hundred five er, right? Like that makes sense. He's yeah. probably you know <clears throat> like six foot plus and has some, has some ups. Boy, old DC. You, I mean, that dude was like one of the best athletes I've ever covered. You would not know that watching him play hoops at the Y, you know. No, I bet you he has good old guy, like, y- yeah, YMCA game. Like, of just backing you down and getting rebounds and throwing elbows and stuff. I bet you he's decent, but Bilal, Bilal Mutumbo'd him right there. Uh, Luke, a little bit of boxing from the weekend. I don't know if you and Chuck ended up, I didn't go this deep in that episode, but Brandon Figueroa at 126 with that, with that, without that weight cut being as severe. Good yeah. God, Luke, is he the truth? The way he spun around Carlos Castro in a close fight and just destroyed him. I mean, you can argue about the stoppage, but... Dude, he, you know what? I'm going to be honest about something. I was always like a little bit skeptical of him because he gives away his height and fights in such a style that's seemingly, you know, the opposite of what he should do with that body frame where you're sometimes like, okay, is he sacrificing how good he can be to just get in these wars? Then you watch him go to the body and, you know, he knocked out Neri with that beautiful shot and he certainly gave Fulton all he can handle. But he looked like he was stepping into power shots in a way that I'd never seen from him before. You never think of him as a big puncher except for the ability to stop guys to the body, which is no no joke. But he may end up being a finisher at this weight class, Luke, if he can keep those type of punches going. I mean, those looping shots in the in the in the pocket, he's dangerous. Dude, I had a whole conversation uh about this fight with Chuck in the sense that I was watching this, it was a, he was a six round stoppage. And this was something that kind of occurred to me watching this. And BC, you will be much better equipped to answer this question because I, I do try to watch as much boxing as I can, but I don't know how much I'm missing or how true this is. In this fight, he used an absolute ton of stance switching, which got me to thinking about who uses stance switching and who doesn't. Now, to be clear, stance switching has happened a long time in boxing. In fact, my favorite boxer of all time, Marvin Hagler, is kind of famous for it. However... Today, when I look around, you do see stance switching across different weight classes and different age groups. But this is my little working hypothesis. How good is it? 
the vast majority of stance switching is concentrated among boxers in their 20s. True or, true or false? Yeah, I would say that. that yeah, that's a high now, out. What is your best explanation for why that is true? I mean, you need a you need a, a high gas tank and output to be able to, you know, pull off the kind of footwork that it takes to do that on a high level and to be able to make those type of adjustments. Now, Figueroa does it more in the pocket when he gets the guys back to the rope. So he's sort of taking his style, which... Like I said, maybe I admitted, maybe sometimes we looked at as sort of one-dimensional in some ways. If you don't think of him as a knockout puncher, then he's just kind of pressuring you and trying to overwhelm you. Well, now he's adding in the stance switching and all, all these in the craft now. So he's putting craft within his, the, his fight, which is he makes you fight on his terms. Even Stephen Fulton had a fight on his terms in front of him. And now he's able to kind of bring nuance to that and not have to cut himself down. He could be something different than I thought he was now moving forward. But to your point on the stance, it's probably more of just the, 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 I don't know. I mean, you have to be really good to be able to pull it off. There are guys that aren't that great that, you know, switch stances every once in a while, but seriously, you know, you gotta be Terrence Crawford. You gotta be really good to make that a regular Boots part Ennis. of your offense. Boots Ennis, Jerron Ennis. Boots Ennis. So, you know, I wonder if it's going to be a thing, Luke, like the evolutions in MMA, where it just becomes... You know, when we watched the NBA in the 90s, centers, you know, centers weren't shooting threes, Luke. Now you have to shoot threes just to be on the floor, right? It may be a thing that you're seeing it more in younger fighters because it's they're just kind of training it now rather than trying to add it into their game later. They're, they're growing up freestyling, and you certainly don't see that in boxing as much as you see it in MMA. So to see it now at an elite level in Figueroa, and also, I mean, look, Carlos Castro's nobody's joke. And, you know, he turned a close fight into being over just like that. Dude, he's adding craft and power together. Watch out. Watch out for the heartbreaker, Luke. I'm watching. I Yo, think he he's good. Steal. I love that performance from him. He he looked awesome. Yo, he would have stolen the shit out of your girl at whatever frat you guys were at. Kai, Kai Papa, low testosterone and confidence, Luke. That's what it well, was. Yeah, what were you doing partying in college, Mr. fucking King of the Prom? I mean, you know, I may I may have dropped out by that point. I may have been working in the uh, in the kitchen at a like, nursing dude, home. However I mean, you know. stupid my partying was, and to be clear, it was very stupid, I'm guilty as charged, yours was as stupid, if not more stupid. Let's, let's point that out. Yeah, I mean, you know, he who he who smokes out of glass pipes, Luke should not throw stones or or or, or vapes. Yes, there you go. All right, uh, let's keep it going here, Luke. This top rank uh, undercard over the weekend had a heavyweight banger. You see this? It was one sided though, but boy, not a lot of linear punching going on here. Yeah, I I, sh- I should have gotten the guy's name, Luke. This is an early fight in his career, but boy, he put it on random white guy from the Midwest there, Luke. Damn. I tell you what, though, I, I swear to God, man, like this rule, you know, you have to dial it back and be more scientific about it. But I swear to God, people are like, oh, you know, what's the I get these questions over emails all the time. And, you know, I, I, I've been to a million amateur fights. Right. What's the number one piece of advice I give someone who's like making a pro debut or you're fighting someone who's like, you know, one and or oh and one, like right in that first sort of second fight territory. Dude, it's it's blitz. The other guy, like, yeah. someone who's making their pro debut is nervous as shit and is not really firing on all cylinders, fucking overwhelm them. That's the answer. And work on your craft scientifically a little bit later. Yeah, fight like a Tasmanian devil, Luke, like a spaz. Uh, Not to be outdone, Luke, DeZone also had a nice one-sided heavyweight banger on the Chisora-Pulev rematch undercard in uh, 
Yeah, I guess you can imagine who wins this, Luke. That guy got the sh yeah. All right. Yeah, he got. He was on the yep. uh, this 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 portly fellow was on the. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. He was on the Tyson Fury uh, Dillian White undercard, right? It's possible, although they do have a lot of guys that look like that over there, Luke. But uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on out. Luke, here's a heavyweight I have a lot of respect for because he's a badass, Deontay Wilder. And while I believe this story of him getting a statue in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, is one of like the better underreported feel-good stories, I love it. But if this video is real, Luke, apparently Deontay really loves it. Have you seen this? I think it's him... But oh, he's like this making is out. his statue in, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, Tuscaloosa, right? Yeah, I mean, he's like making out with the guy, Luke. I mean, I guess if I if I saw myself in bronze like that, maybe I'd do the same, Luke. But it's a it's aggressive. It's aggressive behavior. Yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot to do there. I'm not sure what that really symbolizes, but you know what? My man's in love. Don't try to get in the way. Love is love, BC. Yeah. Uh, Do you see D Derek Chisora call out Wilder after uh, winning a split decision over Pulev? No, I didn't pay attention to that fight. Would you be into that as a comeback fight? Yes. Wilder versus Yes, I would. Yes, Chisora? I would. Absolutely Hell would. yeah. Yes. Do it in, in England. That'd be a, an event. Uh, Luke, you know tight end Travis Kelsey? Yeah, he plays for the Chiefs, correct? Yeah, he went all happy Gilmore over the weekend at a celebrity pro-am golf tournament in between shots, Luke, doing the, the old keg stand. Just want to point out, this guy is at a celebrity golf tournament, like just fucking off, and is infinitely cooler in this moment than you or I have ever been. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got to give him, I got to give him that. Shout out to, is he still with the Chiefs, Luke? I'm, I'm not as t tied in as I should be. Yeah, he's still, he's, it's beer bong, by the way, not a kickstand. Yeah, uh, he is. Uh, yeah, he, he's like one of the best, if not the best, tight end in the league. Hell yeah! All right, uh, Luke, really it's regional, good. regional MMA time, which you know. Anything can happen. How about some spinny shit done right? This is Sean Schubert at Lion Fight 74. Oh, son. Bro, that is such a brutal way to lose. Hold that. Oh, God. Oh, bloody. God damn. Yeah, it was a war, apparently, Luke. Uh, let's go over to LFA, where 20 to 1 betting favorite on Ho. He, he made you some money here, Luke, with an insane finish just 14 seconds in yeah this was great i think this guy trains with uh mma lab or um i'm not entirely certain but dude this is great watch him very so watch me the guy who finishes it is going to jab and then step back at oh, an angle and God. that's what he needs for all the space dude these guys are getting so good so good with footwork footwork set all that up that was just brilliant 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 stuff i mean that was like his like it was like hell reached out and grabbed the body and put it right in the coffin, the way he fell, Luke. It was, that was, wow. Okay. Uh, let's go over also in the LFA, Luke. Alan Bogoso uh, with, a, with a sick flying finish. Let's see. I haven't seen this one. Oh, thought he was coming with the right knee and gave him the left instead. The old, the old okie doke. Will we be seeing these guys down the road, Luke? The Unho guy, I think for sure you're going to see. This guy I don't know a whole lot about, but you, damn, that was nice. That was really yeah. nice. That was very, very good. A little bonus here from Kimbache Global, Luke, a uh, you know, Viacom CBS brand there. Uh, Ricardo Ramirez with this upkick finish. That's not the best angle. Are they going to give us another angle? I saw this one too. Bro, you know what's amazing to me is how many things, like, you know, if you had a, I don't know, you don't have a brother, but I had an older brother. 
It's like how many things that worked on your older brother actually work in MMA when you guys were like fucking off wrestling on the couch or whatever? Oh, yeah, Upkick City, dude. Yeah. Upkick, dude. I used to think <clears throat> Upkicks were like a joke that just, you know, siblings did to wrestle over the television remote. No, nah, it turns out you can beat the fuck out of someone with them. Yeah, yeah. I'll retreat to guard. I'll pull guard in a school fight and upkick the shit out of you, Luke, all right? In front of the debate team while they're watching. They're like, there's our captain. Yeah. All right, Luke. Uh, it's time for some reefer madness. Wiz Khalifa inventing a new bong here. Luke, I got sent this about 5,000 times in my DM saying, so show I, yeah. to Luke. Show to Luke now. Yeah. You know, what's that song by the Dixie Chicks? Cowboy, take me away. <laughs> oh, my God. Look at this gun, Luke. Yeah, just put that in my face and then uh, tell my wife and kids I loved them. That really is all I want you to do. Luke, could, could this firearm end gun violence? I, I certainly hope. I mean, yes, just, you know, you instead of an AR-15, just go buy this thing, and I think yeah, we'll have a happier, you. healthier world. Thank you. But, Luke, is it better than the five-gallon jug bong challenge that this video offers you? Could you survive, Luke, this apparatus? No, not, the, not those, Luke, this one. Shout out to Cypress Hill for constantly giving us this entertainment. Be real, indeed. Oh, my Lord. Luke, you would pass out instantly after that hit. Instantly. I, ho I hope. I hope. <laughs> just get, like, just read me, you know, just get a priest there to give me my last right. Yeah, and, you're uh, like, well, you know, they'd be like, BC, are you heartbroken? Well, he did go out doing what he loved. So, you I mean, know, dude, if I can't. you died only... doing this. Yeah. I can't think of a more noble death than that, to be quite. You yeah. mean you go, oh, you died in war, but that's that's better right there. That's amazing. All right, Luke, best street fight of the week takes us to this outdoor New York City restaurant on someone's birthday, Luke. Bro, they they scrap in New York City. I've seen so many street fights out there. Okay, here comes getting, the birthday dessert. Oh, oh, here boy. comes the Sunday police. Oh, oh, boy. <laughs> oh my god. This looks like a WWE uh False count anywhere match. This is great. Dude, okay. Is... <laughs> Luke, um, I, got a, I got another one for you from the outdoor, outdoor bars. Look at this uh, white fella going all Superman punch in a street fight. Did he hit it? Wait. I, I don't think he hit it. I think he hit face By the first, way, Luke. Perfect that they're outside of Bar Loco. That is... Look at this. Looks like Look Shane at my man. McMahon. Some yeah. he's like some fucking gooner who cheers for Arsenal and just missed like a motherfucker like Arsenal does like in the top six every season of the league. That is fucking great. Bar Loco. And Luke, uh, finally on the street fights, this isn't this is more one sided of a street fight. But are are we uh, are we fucking or fighting in this one, Luke? Yo, my man gets real handsy here. Oh, oh, <laughs> they did the old Deontay Wilder. Stooges, man. Oh, wow. You know what? See, this is what happens, BC. This is what happens. You get into a fight, then you get a phoner, and then the game just changes. It just changes. <laughs> you know, Jake Paul was right about this. You know, that? wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. All right. I got one more uh, uh, public street fight here. Uh, here's inside of a club, Luke. You know, that's a bad place to be. Yes, let's stop fighting in clubs, everybody. What are oh, we drink, drink to the face. Oh, my God, another one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yo, hold, this. Yo, hold my chair, motherfucker. Yo, exit oh, room, Oh, my bitch. God. I think it left a scar shaped like an L on his face. Look, that is awful. 
Oh, uh, Luke, all I don't these know people what this... fighting in clubs and shit. It's like, dude, what? Is, like, yeah. Does any? Let me uh, show of hands. Who goes to a club to have a good time? Maybe instead of this. Dumb well, if shit? I'm gonna go, I'll bring the holster with the sweatpants, Plexico Burris. You know what I mean? Like, come on, bro. You know what I mean? Also, I've made this point a million times. It's not like I never had my fun as a dumbass twenty-year-old doing shit like this too. But like, here's the reality. In general, in general, it's not hard to not get in a fight at a club. It's not hard. Yeah. You kind of have to want one. Uh, you know. What does Stephen part. A. say, Luke? Quit the, forget the weed. What does he say? What's his lame catchphrase? Ah, uh, please believe it, or whatever the fuck dumb shit. No, is no, the one about weed. He's trying to get everybody off the weed. I don't know. Whatever. All right, Luke. Uh, I don't know what this means, but you know, AFL Australian Rules Football. We have so many MK Aussie fans from the down under, Luke. They want us to celebrate Buddy Franklin getting a historical one thousandth goal. In the AFL. Do you care or know anything about this? Because look at the fan reaction, Luke. They care down So I had a buddy of mine who was American who uh, made one of these teams. Now, he was not, you know, I I think he was like a total scrub. And, you know, he only played, I think, two or three seasons in the league. Um, It's a tough-ass sport. I don't know shit about it, but I kind of want to learn because it looks like a great, great game. Like, dude, the Aussies... Dude, I got to go to Australia. Everything the yeah. Aussies do, I kind of like. I well, love Luke, Australians, man. I got to get I got to get my ass down there. You know that Long Island Luke who's producing this show right now, his dad is from down under. He claims his dad is a big AFL fan, the Geelong Cats. So shout out not yeah. to be confused of course with Australia Luke who works at Malka. This is Long Island Luke who's dad. And then there's uh yeah, there's uh people people just Bell- talking in the show very comfortably. Valdosta Luke is also uh, here as well. Okay, Luke. Uh, shout out to Buddy Franklin, whatever that means. Uh, Luke, you know kids say the darndest things. They also do some really dumb shit. But check out my man here at the Easter concert. I kind of support this, Luke. <laughs> Who's bad? Boom, 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 boom. Oh, that's great. I, I, that's that's that great. kid's gonna coach high school sports one day. I mean, <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah, he will. Yeah, he will. That's great. Uh, Luke, uh, look at how happy this kid was for his own birthday and the cake. You know what? God bless him. <laughs> that, that my man is living life to the fullest. He's got a backyard party. He's got some Kool-Aid, and he was like, you know what I'm going to do with this cake? I'm going to put that shit in my face. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like having sex with the apple pie in the center of the uh, of the island there in your kitchen, Luke, but uh, he went for it. He was, it's, it's, he's coming on. His mom not happy. Wow, Luke. Uh, let's go to the bike trail. I don't know if kids this old should be allowed on their own bike, Luke, without, like, training wheels or, like, a rope or something. This may be offensive to some girl dads, Luke. Oh, into the drink. Yeah, she unfortunately she never came back, Luke, but uh she did make this show. So wow, good good parenting skills right there. And finally, Luke, uh, you know, you yeah, try to why raise don't you put some brakes on dude. My kid has this bike. They call it the balance bike. You ever seen these? Yes. So the balance bike, for folks who may not know, it looks like a normal bike, and instead of training wheels, the bike just doesn't have pedals. You use your feet to go. But a lot of these balance bikes, some of them do, but not all of them have brakes. It's like oh, most of them don't. Most don't. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, yo, maybe you take away the pedals. That's cool, but maybe put at least like one brake on this motherfucker. Like they don't put any an, an airbag, something. Yeah, 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 something. All right. Wow, uh, Luke. Uh, here's the reality. 
until maybe even the age of like 35, if I'm at a public sporting event and the camera comes upon me and I don't have like my mom or wife next to me, I'm going to make a lewd <laughs> a lewd facial expression. I'm just like, it's just ingrained in me, Luke, to be that guy. You know what I mean? I, I, I might do something ridiculous. So I can't be mad at this kid's parents here at the uh, hockey playoffs, Luke. I mean, I mean, maybe that's a little too far, Luke. But uh, yeah, there you I mean, go. I, I doubt he even really understands what he's doing. But you know, shout out you to see, Tampa let General he who's without sin in these moments cast the first stone. And I yeah. gotta tell you, I'm so glad I grew up in an era where they didn't record all of the dumb shit I ever did. Well, Luke, we actually have video of how that last kid was raised. So let's go to that now. All right. Oh, that's a that lady's a winner. Yeah, well, you know, I, I hear it promotes good, uh, no, it, that's not healthy, Luke, that's not, yeah, now hear this, yeah, yeah, all right. Okay, let's round it out here, Luke, uh, check out this retro shirt that somebody found that Hooters put out after 9-11, is this in good taste? And the bottom it says, let freedom wing. Wow. You know what, let's, let's make sure we sell, uh, chicken wings of abused animals, and let's let's use the massacre of nearly four thousand Americans to now. Like I don't know when if it's real. I don't know when it came out, and I also don't know if it's real. But that's some insensitive, ignorant bullshit, Luke. Wow, right? I'm surprised the two towers just weren't two different wings that they put up there for the eleven. You know? Yeah, uh, Luke. Do you remember the '92 Olympics in Barcelona, where our colleague uh, Raúl Marquez? Was supposed to come home with a medal, yeah, but then I, let I, Oscar I was win that medal. I was twelve when that happened, so I remember a little bit. Uh, remember Dan and Dave, Luke? That went well. Oh, I remember these two jackasses. Yeah. Well, Luke, everybody wants to be Dan and Dave until it's time to do Dan and Dave shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like how this dude's an athlete, and we both could have beat this jump. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If you don't remember yo, Dan yo, and Dave, eat, they, eat that mat, bitch. What were they? They were two decathletes that were that were supposed to be gold medal favorites, and one of them ended up not not even qualifying for the games after the million dollar you know multi million dollar commercial campaign was already out and in full force. Luke, yeah, that was that's that that stunk. Okay, that did. Although he, right, Yoshida, who ended up fighting in Pride, got a gold medal at the ninety two Barcelona Olympics. Oh wow! Shout out to that too, Luke. All right, yeah. Uh, it's time to play Would You Eat, Luke. This is my favorite Have You Seen This Shit game. Uh, let's start with this. Luke, I don't know why we're not going to Amano's restaurant in Las Vegas, because they end up on this portion of the show regularly. This is called the Gondola. Would you take this down, Luke? So let me see if I understand this. Is that just bread, or is that like a calzone? I don't... I, I wouldn't underestimate what's in there. Let me see, let me see if I can get it. You got rosemary on the side with spaghetti on top, and then vodka sauce, and then meatballs, it looks like? Yeah, and the spaghetti, it looks spectacularly good. I mean, you, look, I would probably shit my pants while eating it, but it looks really good. Well, listen, as long as someone kept the car running after my gallbladder explodes <laughs> and you can take me to the hospital, yeah, I'd eat it. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Luke, how about this one for your daughter's next uh, breakfast meal? I'm on the fence whether I would accept this. Luke, would you eat this? Oh Jesus, titty fucking Christ! Um, <laughs> oh wow, that's a wow, that's a very aggressive response for uh, some fucking pancake syrup, Luke. Damn, wow. All right, 
I mean, you we've lost our sponsors after that one. Great. <laughs> Sorry. That was just the first thing that came to mind. I was like, wow, that is... They're just finding all new kinds of ways to get sugar in kids' bloodstreams. Dude, huh? I, bet you it's, I bet you it's amazing. Though. Yeah, of course yeah, I'd eat it. What are you talking about? Yeah, of course I'd yeah. try it. Damn right. Uh, look, how about this one? I'm a hell no, but I know you like weird things. They call this <clears throat> egg pizza with banana and fish. Okay, just, 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 <laughs> whoever made this, throw that motherfucker in the Hague. I mean, just throw him in the same ravine and pop his head off like they did. Saddam Hussein. This is a fucking crime. The fuck the person who made this. Seriously. <laughs> wow. 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 Shout out to stoned charcuterie on Instagram for this gem. Wow. All right. Uh, Luke, you know this video. It's coming. Here's Dana White out to dinner with one of the Nelk boys who are yeah. friends with, with his son. And for the birthday of this Nelk boy, Luke, directly from Uncle Dana, how about $250,000? In a bag, Luke, um, with no potential IRS accompaniment <laughs> along with it. That's up to you it or looks, it John looks Nash. Like the bag I, does have paperwork in it. Uh, I mean, uh, sure, okay, maybe, maybe this time they're going to put that one on the books so they can write it off. But Luke, you got to understand that not only did John S. Nash and I look at this and go, "Oh my God!" Did you see fighter Louis Smolka quote yeah. tweeted? Like, basically, hey, boys, when are we forming this union? Um, wow, Luke. I'll tell you what. If you want to make f uh, money in the UFC, start a podcast that uh, befriends. I guess the are the Nelk boys friends with Dana's son? Is that what I understand? That's how I've heard it, yeah. Dana White the Third. Yeah, that's how I've heard it, Luke. I don't I follow know if him that's on accurate. IG. But, yeah, yeah, just get a podcast that he likes, and uh, you'll get a shitload of money. That must be nice. Yeah. I, I, dude, I, you know, do you think we could hang with Dana White the Third on a weekend? Uh, you know, he's, he has already lived a life that we couldn't comprehend. I think it's probably. Pro he's probably has had the best life ever. I, I would probably like to see his DMs, Luke. I'm not, yeah. you know, what I mean, I don't. I'm not proud that I publicly said that, but it's true. It's it's definitely true, Luke. All right, I mean, it's not uh, saying much in the sense that you and I both grew up as complete fucking losers, but yes. you know, fair to say that the son of a billion or you know, however rich Dana is, ex exceedingly wealthy, has probably had a a charmed life. A charmed life. Luke, the only one who could ever please you. Was, in fact, the son of a preacher, man, Luke. Yes. Uh, let's go to this. Uh, we're almost done here. My MVP of the week is this cat, Luke. Oh, my man getting busy. Oh, he knew exactly where to go. He knew what he wanted. That looks a lot like Reggie Jackson right there. Reggie would do that shit 100%. And Bro, scratch, I can't believe you don't have the video of the cat choking out the other cat. Did you see that? I don't know if I've seen that, but I tend I, I don't like too much animal abuse in here, Luke. I prefer more like senior citizen. Nah, I mean, the, cat, the cat was not the one who was getting choked was not like in serious peril or anything like that. But yeah, I got to tell you, boy, cats are savage little motherfuckers, aren't they? They yeah. are. They are a little they are sneaky little bastards. Uh, Luke, future wife alert of the week goes to this woman. I don't know her name. I don't know her age, sex or location, Luke, for the most part. But I know what I see in this video. Boy, that is uh, not suggestive at all. <laughs> yeah. What do they call that pint? The bukkake pint? <laughs> okay, okay. There they go. Wow. I can't. I never thought it would be you that would bring us under. Where we go. Uh, finally, Luke, you know what I'm really about at the end of the day. Not BBLs. Elder abuse. Let's go to the pinata field, Luke. This is one of the best clips in the history of this oh, show. Grandma about oh to get the fucking God. wood shampoo, boy. Oh, my 
God, Luke. Wow. <laughs> he broke the stick. Luke. Dude, that's what that term, by the way, is what. I <laughs> oh, oh, that term, the wood shampoo, is one of my favorite ones. There was a time when we got uh, activated after 9 11, and they were like, oh, we might have to go do crowd control and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, what does that mean? He goes, that might mean some motherfuckers will have to get the wood shampoo. And I was like, the wood shampoo? What does that mean? He's like, that's when you wrap a nightstick around someone else's head. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, right. The yeah. wood shampoo. So I, when I saw my all time favorite say, boy, she got the wood shampoo times 10 your, in that one. Is your buddy a uh, boogaloo boy or a lost boy, Luke? Okay, this is true. This is years ago. This is during when Obama was president. He would post artwork of the Crusades on Facebook. Yeah, yeah that kind of yeah. guy. Yeah, was he that guy in the strip club story who you you no. just left the guy? No, yeah, that's the, a different guy. Different that's a example great story. too. A different guy. Yeah. Um, uh, Luke, do you think um, anyone will will ever top? What Michael Chiesa gave us on Room Service Diaries this past week. You can watch it now, youtube.com slash morning combat. Uh, it's gonna, uh, the answer is records were made to be broken, BC, but that one's going to stand for a little while because that is, that is, that's sort of what the concept of what we had planned was brought to life. Like, yes, it did the very best job of bringing that, which isn't to say that all the other conversations aren't good. They're great. But uh, in terms of what like the direct aim was of this particular thing, you know, and it's tough because sometimes we get these fighters who are in camp or they they can't train. You know, they got to be careful with their diet or whatever. But we got Kiesa at just the right time, so it paid off. Well, I like that they're different. You know, would I want them all to be exactly like this? Well, yeah, if given the choice, yes. But we do get different feels. The Josh Emmett one had different tones. Luke, I can't wait for people to watch the Uriah Faber one that's going to come out. That's got a completely different tone, all right? It certainly does. Listen, we got to get a move on because uh, the... I'm going to turn back into a pumpkin here because I got to take care yeah. of my kid. Well, thank because... you for giving me the floor for two hours, Luke. I yes. hope we gave the people something, you know, worth, li- you know, worth, worth taking your time for. Is really we not certain, worth living we for. We certainly worth- did. So I want to remind folks, uh, you can get Showtime, 30 days free trial. You like it, you can keep it. If not, just go to Showtime.com, sign up, and see what happens from there. Also, uh, let's see. Don't forget to vote for us for the People's Choice Podcast Awards. That We would appreciate that. Of course, you can also just scan the QR code if they put it on the screen here. There you go. You see it right there. Oh yeah. Uh, Morning combat at there you go. Yeah. Morning combat at gmail.com will be the email to reach the show. And then for all the new stuff, real talk like men do shirts, you can go to morningcombat.store. BC, it is good to have you back, my friend. I am excited that you're here. And we'll be back with a Friday show very soon. So let's see. For Malka, for Showtime, for the King of Connecticut, who's a giant Leo Santa Cruz fan, and uh, everyone else in between at Showtime. We appreciate you guys watching back on Friday. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal.